Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. This Hello, makes guys. for a great yeah. listen on the audio side. Yes. Hey, Joel. Craig, oh hello. God. Jen, hello. Hello. <laughs> Just waiting on one more person. But uh... All right. So it is possible he doesn't join us. He hasn't uh, responded today. Uh, <laughs> so I know he was at the game in Minnesota, so. Blue Jay's dad is supposedly joining us, but who knows here? Scott, I've never seen you without a hat. Yeah, it's a whole new world, eh? Oh, I, whenever, I don't know why I'm going hatless either. Whenever, whenever I see him three. hatless, it always <laughs> makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got Mark Shapiro on the show and Scott's got his hair all done nice and I look homeless still. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm underdressed. <laughs> Not even wearing pants. Okay. Um, Neither was guys, Mark. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, all right, you guys have all been here. You know the the uh, how it goes, so let's just get to it. Uh, YouTube is rolling. We got about 15 people so far, and more also keep funneling in. So, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Uh, if the straggler joins us, cool. If not, it's the five of us today. So let's get to it. Uh, informal, three, two, one, and we're rolling. All right, welcome to episode 209 of the Long Toss here on the walk-off. I have been a bad boy and haven't watched much baseball lately. Uh, Family in town, lots on my plate, but based on the text messages and the group chats I've been a part of, I picked a pretty good week or two to uh, not watch every baseball game, so uh scott how are you doing you're hatless you're handsome what's going on what's the occasion uh well I, after needing to do that solo podcast there adam on top of family being at his place and on top of everything he's dealing with decided to get food poisoning so i rolled solo on friday for the first time ever where i've actually the sat captain. down and you laid great. down well i'm gonna tell you buddy tip of the cap to you because it is so much harder to just talk into the ether without someone oh, yeah. to just stop you when you're running off the rails, you know, totally. it's nice to like be able to just spew all the shit I want to spew, but it's nice to have you there to be like, whoa, 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 hold on. Some of these things are wrong because there were so many times throughout that cast where I was like, oh yeah, right. Tyler Heineman is totally a thing. God, <laughs> he was an option to come up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyways, glad to have you back and healthy, bud. All right. Thank you so much, Joel. You're back from the lake. Yeah. How long ago was that? Was that recent? You gave me a look like that wasn't recent. No, it was last last weekend. May long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look nice. Yeah, out so there. I'm back. Yeah. Feeling good. Uh, nice to see you. Aside from Blue Jays feelings, I'm feeling good, I guess. I don't <laughs> did, did you end up posting that Mark Shapiro uh, money ball TikTok? 
I, I did. Or do you chicken out? Uh, I, I still have it. I just didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't, well, I just didn't feel like it was, I didn't well, want I, to, you know, it was, yeah, I, I can't officially, guys, right? I, I can't officially be... say, I think you should not on air. I can't. So I, I, I will. Sure. I'll do okay. This is money ball, well, right? It's, it's money ball and it's funny. Good. I'll do it's it. I'll, I'll put it up. All right. Jen. Nice to see you, Jen. What's going on? I, you know, I will say that the the good thing about this recent stretch of Blue Jays baseball, uh, you know, the the series win this weekend notwithstanding, is that I no longer care what position Bo Bichette plays. <laughs> I've got, I, I'm over it. I'm over it because we've got bigger problems to deal with. You know, yes. you know what? They could they could put out a lineup card with Bo Bichette as catcher, and I'd be like, let's see what the kids got. Fair enough. Desperate times. Two hole. Yeah. Call for desperate measures. Absolutely. All right. And then Craig from the Jaybird Watching Podcast. How you doing, buddy? Okay. How is everybody else doing this evening? We finally got a series win in our pocket after how many? I I felt like um, you know, that scene in Ghostbusters where they get the first call, the ref head smashes down on the phone and hits the buzzer, and we got. We got one. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Perfect analogy. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, full disclosure, because I haven't watched uh, every Blue Jays game over the past 10 days. I'm going to be a active listener for most of this podcast. So I'll direct traffic. But if I have some dumb questions, please feel free to roast me and let me know. Uh, but I need to get caught up to speed. So everybody direct your uh, knowledge towards me. Catch me up. Okay. So, uh, we're going to talk the Jays twins series. Uh, we're going to talk bad base running. Uh, Joel, I know you have some strong thoughts on that running into outs and donating outs to the other team. Uh, Boba continues to dominate. Uh, that's good. Every time I do check the box score, it's, uh, Oh, Boba went three for five today. No surprise. Um, injuries. We stayed healthy for most of the season. Uh, not anymore. Uh, Jano, Kiermaier, uh, we'll get to all that. What's going on with Vlad? I see the headline, is Vlad broken in the show notes? And my alarm bells are going off, so someone reassure me he's not <laughs> literally broken here. Um, and then we're going to talk uh, Vegas and what's going on with the Oakland A's and stuff like that just for fun towards the end. And then, of course, everybody else has brought their topics uh, to share with the community. So let's get to it right away. Uh, Jays Twins series. You took two out of three. We're back on track, baby. What's going on? I mean, here's the thing <laughs> is that we've got to take the positive of this was a series win. And I mean, Craig kind of said it, right? It's like, yes, we got one. Finally, it didn't feel great. I don't give a shit how it feels. I'm going to take it. Listen, it was two wins, two wins that they scored six runs in the, in that, those two wins. And then the loss they took, they scored seven, which is just baseball to a T. And I mean, there were some bright spots there. Varsho has been so impressive this series. He really kind of stepped it up. Bo continues to be incredible on both sides of the field. I know that there's some people here who maybe missed a game or two. And just as soon as you, they hear you talk about Bo Bichette defending well, gets, uh, gets their ire up, right? But he's been really solid 
in the month of May when it comes to defense and his offense. I mean, my God, the dude is leading the American League in batting average. He's leading the league in hits. He is a complete stud. He's showing power. He's getting it done in every single way of the game, and that is just so encouraging. Uh, Jose Barrios, I mean... I'm almost a believer again. Reel me in, gang. But I am almost a Jose Barrios believer again. Every single start that he has had in the last about month and a half has been dynamite. Uh, There's negatives, right? Like (laughs) They didn't instill a bunch of confidence in me in this series. You know, at no point am I like, And they're back on track. Here we go. This is the team. But I mean, I I guess you got to take your wins where you can get them. Well, I mean, you touched on Barrios. The numbers look good. His ERA under four, maybe the first time since he's been a Blue Jay. Uh, I mean, other than that hot streak he had at the end of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a positive takeaway. Um. Just to tell him back to Minnesota to get him right a little bit. You know, yeah, nice yeah. little bit of catharsis for him, you know, this afternoon. You know, he's able to take it to his old team a little bit. Truly. <laughs> Jen, what what are your thoughts on where this team is at? In, in, I mean, we had the, let's just get it out. We had the team meeting, right? The no coaches only, put your ear to the door if you want to listen in players only meeting uh and then we went to minnesota took two out of three i think that players what's going only, on i think that players only meeting can almost be a conversation in and of itself just because there seemed to be a little bit of ire uh the fact that the media found out about it so quickly and it might have been schneider who kind of dropped that ball and and there, there, there seemed to be a little bit of a, some of the commentary around that seemed interesting, but you know, how early is this early in the season for a team meeting, a players only meeting story? It's not a team meeting. It's a players only meeting. Are we really early for that? Jen, last year they had one almost like almost the same at day? the exact same time in May. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, yeah. they had three players only meetings last year before Montoyo finally got fired. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm really happy they got a series win, regardless of, of whatever, you know, mode in which they got those wins. You know, um, really positive to see Jose Barrios have another good outing, um, to see that ERA drop below four. You know, that, that bodes really well for the rotation. Um, seeing Bassett struggle um is you know he's had sort of his highs and lows already this season who knows how the rest of the season will play out so that can be a bit concerning Gosman is Gosman you kind of expected them to win that game or I like to think that every time he's on the mound the team has a really good chance of winning um you know even though he's had some of his own mishaps here um but they still have a lot of work to do and we still saw a lot of mistakes get made this weekend, right? That 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 terrible base running, mistakes that just really oh. shouldn't be made, right? George Springer today, early in the game, what are we doing? These are veteran players. These are not, you know, rookie call-ups on a team that is tanking. 
and making these mistakes, kind of learning on the job. These are some, you know, veterans that we're seeing making these boneheaded mistakes. And I understand that when things aren't going well, you might try to push or, or press a little bit more. But also as a veteran, you know that that's not the route to take. So I don't know what they're doing sometimes, right? So, uh, you know, great that they got the series win. I, I honestly didn't think that they would. Um, but we're not out of the woods in terms of seeing some of what is going on with this team. Vlad is a concern. Um, and we're going to, I'm sure, get to all of that, mm -hmm. you know. And just looking at using 92 wins as a an arbitrary point, because that's the number of wins that the Jays had last season and 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 went into the wild card with 92 wins to reach 92 wins at this point the jays would have to play 592 ball the rest of the way whereas the rays would have to play 495 the Ra the rays could you know play below 500 the rest of the way so they've dug themselves a bit of a hole and i guess we'll see whether or not they can start climbing out of it one thing this series else thinking Dalton Varsho is like play this literally yesterday was like a microcosm of this team. He hits a home run, gives up a home run that bounces off his glove. It's just so much silly stuff happening in one game. That's like the perfect summary of what we've been all be dealing with as Toronto Blue Jays fans. You expect the good, you expect the home run ball to get caught when in that situation. And right now you're missing the center field. I probably would have caught that. But to that point, Varsho has been on fire too. So you can't, only get so upset about it. <laughs> Good point. This this series was a series that I was just like the whole time. Thank the baseball gods above. We're not playing an AL East team because had we played like this against an AL East team, this would be three losses. And that is the difference between playing the Minnesota Twins and playing every single interdivisional team that there there is to play. You know, like we watched what happened when you give outs away to the Tampa Bay Rays and you give outs away to the Baltimore Orioles, right? You get swept. You lose a four game series, three to one. Whereas they took two of three against Minnesota and really they could have won. Like it was some bad bullpen management that made it so that they didn't wind up having a better shot in yesterday's game. Joel, yeah. you look like you got the hamster wheel spinning. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like, we're last, right? Um, I have to play the devil's advocate and all this stuff, and I just don't like really want to, but I have to. <laughs> like, um, I, I'll I'll watch it. I watched today, and the Varsho trade is like that's that's a really rough situation situation right now. He has he's left 110 guys on base this season, 110, and he has provided. 46 runs between his runs scored and his RBIs. That could be six, seven wins, like really, at this point in the season. It's he he catches balls, but he's got he's second in the league and left on base. And when I watch yesterday's game and he goes up and pats Vladdy on the on the like shoulder, Vladdy's like, don't talk to me, man you're like killing this offense right now. Um, he's a good player, but he's a fourth outfielder. And I sit there and everything is like putting him over. Like the broadcasts are putting him over. Everybody puts him over 
when he is as valuable this year as Randall Gritchick is in 20 games. According to FD. 20 games of Randall Gritchick is as valuable as Dalton Varsho's <laughs> nine defensive runs saved. Well, hold on. Lack this of is the recency bias. <laughs> is it? Like, it's recency. And then you th- realize that you traded two Warren Guriel and another war and a half in Moreno. And that's three and a half wins just straight off on that trade. So it's like, his what's his batting average in his last 15 games? A buck 80? What's his OPS? Well, Joel, if you're just going to judge the trade on the last six weeks, then you're right. Then mm-hmm. the Diamondbacks ran away with it. This, this No, but I'm I mean, just saying, like, in a position trade. where we are, this was division year. This was spend all the money. We're in last place. And we're, we're talking, like, everybody, the broadcast, like, everybody, every podcast you watch. We'll talk nice things about Varsho when he has a third of the left on base that the New York Yankees have as a team, a third. How many runs does that cost us? That is a boatload. And if that carries on, if that carries on and he leaves 340 guys on base this season. Joel, do you actually think that's happening? I know you're playing devil's advocate here, but are you actually so worried about VAR show that you think there's no well, way just, he. He has to show me something that he hasn't done at any point in his tenure with the team. So, okay. so I, I want to jump in here. Possibility. With, I want to jump in here with a question because again, full disclosure, didn't see this week's games like at all. I watched two of them via Jays in 30. I'm I'm reading headlines in the show notes. Is Vladdy broken? What's wrong with Vladdy? And then I'm hearing Joel say he doesn't even want to talk to Varsho because Varsho is so bad. In the last week, the numbers are better for Varsho. So I know it's one week, but. Well, okay. I can see Joel is crinkling his eyebrows. The old man stats I'm looking at, maybe not left on bases and weighted runs created, wind chill adjusted plus, but. I don't, I never expected Varsho to be like the offensive juggernaut savior for this team. I did and still do want that from Vladdy. I'm just saying, I'd rather see Varsho hitting 211 than see Vladdy hitting 285 because Vladdy at 285 is costing us more games than Varsho at 211. Uh, Am I out to lunch with that? Uh, Yeah, you're out to lunch. But the truth is, it's more team management. Let's cut let's cut the Varsho issue in half by saying why is he batted second and fourth for a third of the season? If he's in the seventh and eighth slot, I'm not sitting there and looking at 110 left on base. This is situational usage of a player who's best suited seventh or eighth in the lineup, not hitting like he's going to be a liability against bullpen arms who throw 97 plus. He's going to be a liability against lefties. Okay? That is not a pl- if you have a if your offensive skill set is that and you're batting second and fourth on this Toronto Blue Jays team, that is a massive issue, not only with the player, but the utilization of the player. So that's an argument against Schneider. Sure. Or so the guys I'm cutting that off of or the Marshall being improperly used. I'm with yeah. you, Craig. It's, it's 50, it's both of those things. I'm going yeah, to you guys all think that the managers actually putting a lineup card together with nothing purely in a vacuum and being told that you have to have a lefty 
in this fourth or five spot right now to legitimately quote unquote, have a statistically good lineup. I can clearly see that that right now that's not working except for maybe over the last three days with Varsho batting in the fourth, fifth spot. But how much do you think that that's really in the world we live in today that Schneider really has full control over that lineup card? I don't think he has, sorry. I, I think that he has a tremendous amount of other people giving input into that lineup card. Ultimately, he is the manager and has final say. Would hope so, but I don't know these days. That's I would I would hope that he does. I would hope that he does. Otherwise, why bother, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just let the computer pick the players, right? <laughs> Blue Jays, Dad. Hello, by the way. Hey, well, welcome everybody. Welcome myself, everybody. Good to yeah, see you. Just got back from Target Field. Yeah, man, that's so cool. Uh, Good little series to catch, I guess. Uh, Well, you know, what's big in Minnesota is the state fair. Like people drop a couple of grand on going to the state fair for a week. I finally get it. This is my state fair. This is the (laughs) the series that it's just that that's that's what we live for here. I love Um, it. Target field. What's that? The invade target field bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great ballpark, and uh, once again, fans from all over Canada descended upon the park, and um, you know, yeah, met people from multiple provinces, and it's just uh, it feels a little bit like home. All right, well, that was a cheery interruption of the misery that we were going through. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I don't have enough fingers to point in every direction as to who to blame, so. I don't even know where do we go, Scott. I'm off. I've lost track of where are we even going from here. We just blamed the analytics department for Schneider, well, I, or Schneider for the analytics department. Listen, I was trying to put a positive spin on a series win, and then Joel took the wheel. Is what happened. <laughs> he didn't drive us into the ditch, but he pointed out that that's where we are. Um. Okay, so back to the Vladdy question. Uh-huh. And we can we can talk what's wrong with Vladdy, but am I way off base in saying that that is hurting? Like I know he's still hitting two. What is it? Two eighty six on the season. Second on the team yeah. in home runs. Like seems like that was in the first three weeks of the year, though. Sure. It's a, well, it's I mean, a very quiet. I mean, two eighty six. Sure. Yeah. I mean, look at Matt Chapman's two eighty six, and it's even quieter, right? But. Again, Matt Chapman, I never really expected him to be a silver slugger or lead the team in home runs. Like it felt like an awesome, he carried the team for a bunch of time in April, but Vladdy hitting in the two eighties, that's, that's not a recipe for a hundred wins, no matter what anybody else is doing. Right. One home run in his last 15 games. And it was a softball pitch. He's being out homered by Kevin Biggio. Let that sink in. Hey, by the way, dad, loving that, (laughs) by the way. And okay. This was going to be my topic for tonight, but is Cavabigio, has he just found a new approach? No, Jen's already saying no. Hold on. Wait, strikeouts are way up. Maybe he's just close your eyes and swing hard in case you hit it. Hey, maybe it's a desperation move, right? If he didn't do something, he's going to triple a or he's leaving this team. Whatever. He's looking he, good. He ambushed that homer in Tampa. That was the first pitch that he jumped on, which is totally good for him. against that. Good I'm for just him. Say that. I'm just saying that specific at bat was he ambushed a fastball. I, so. I think Biggio 
and any success he's had recently just exemplifies the saying that a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, look, all I'm saying is he's four for 13 in his last seven games and half the time he hits it, it leaves the park. That's good. <laughs> Small sample size. Sure. That worked out pretty well yeah. for Jose Canseco and uh, Jeremy Giambi for a little bit there, there too. And go. swing hard in case you hit it. Right. <laughs> All right. Real talk though. Uh, Vladdy, what do we do with this? Anybody well, jump how in? Does everybody one thing really he... think he is right now? What's that? He had that knee. How healthy does everybody really think he is right now? He did have that knee thing a few weeks ago. It doesn't look like he has his legs underneath him a little bit to me when he's swinging the bat, but at least you saw some of those swings that have been all over Twitter and whatnot. And he's, it's not the same Vlad we saw two, three weeks ago at the plate at least that's my personal opinion i i agree with that but on the flip side if he is that injured that it is affecting him the way that we're seeing it he shouldn't be playing Agreed. and i don't know if that's him not admitting how injured he is or the team saying well it's not that bad we can ride this out or i i don't know i would hope that wouldn't be it but he if if this is all injury injury related he shouldn't be playing i don't know i'm torn on on whether i agree with that or not because on the one hand it's the michael jordan with the flu question right like him with the flu is still better than anybody else but also it's not playoffs and we do need him healthy eventually right so maybe he does need time off i don't know joel your eyebrows are doing a lot of talking right now so 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 analytically he's the only thing difference between like now and 2021 is the walk rate hits the ball, the same launch angle, the same exit below the same. Yeah. Everything is literally 99th percentile across the board, except his walk rate, which is in the 44th percentile. It's the patience. So he's pressing like he's clearly pressing at the plate because he feels the need to have to do it all. Okay. He went from being Simeon in front Teoscar behind him to not trusting what comes after. And he comes up there and he presses and he tries. They say it on the broadcast. He's trying to hit the three-run home run. He, he doesn't feel, and then he hits a double play ball. It's not the pass the baton approach. It's not that. It's not, I trust what comes next. When he was at his best, he would hit a home run. He would hit a double. He would, get, he would hit a hard ground ball or he'd get walked. And it was like in that succession of like, but now the walk isn't there. So the walk isn't there means the patience to hit the home run isn't there. The walk literally coincides with the home run. So, and that's, he's pressing. He's out in front of. Which is weird, Joel. It's weird because earlier in the year, it was so impressive how he had managed to lay off those, those bad pitches and had such a good approach at the plate and was taking walks and going the other way with the ball and totally selfless and passing the baton. And it's, it's just so wild to see when a team's on a losing skid, how much everyone's mentality changes. Cause it's not just that uh, Vlad that's slumping at the plate, although he's the most um, prominent. I mean, he's hitting in the three holes. So <laughs> he's the big okay. glaring hole there. So with Vlad, Scott, you mentioned the first two weeks of the season, uh, taking his pitches, right? G- good command. He was being patient. Wasn't trying to do too much. Uh, so first 13 games of the season, seven walks, three strikeouts, a uh, batting average of 412 and an OPS of 1041. But in the six weeks since then, 
11 walks versus 32 strikeouts. Good for a batting average of 247 and an OPS of 750. Uh, that's a six-week sample size at that point. I don't have a point. I just think it's no, it's a scare. It's a big skid. Yeah, it's a pretty uh it's, it's free fall. Like, 247 okay. from Vladdy is that's not acceptable. It's acceptable for Matt Chapman, despite the hot start for Matt Chapman, because it's kind of the same uh, thing with Varsho. Like, I don't expect Varsho to be a 400 hitter on this team. I don't expect Blue Chapman. Jay's dad, Blue Jays dad, where are you at on Vlad and his struggles? Uh, he, he looked horrible this weekend. You know, um, it was, uh, yeah, definitely not on his game at all. And so it's, I think it's a good point about his possible knee injury not having his legs under him, as you said, where it's like a lot of arms. He's doing a lot of flailing, which you're not used to seeing from him. Um, but I also think that there just isn't that uh, number four hitter that probably he's confident about. And, you know, uh, I, I don't have anything against Brandon Belt, except for I think he shouldn't have started the season with the club still coming back from his knee surgery. That's mm-hmm. what my costly tweet was all about is he's on major league time rehabbing. and. Um, and also not knowing, considering his age, how he's going to bounce back. Um, you know, does he have another year or two left in him? I was hoping that he did when they signed him. But this year, just he just looks weak to me. No, and I'm not trying to pick on him or anything. It's just, I, I guess I wasn't familiar with him with the Giants. So maybe he's always looked like that. But uh, just watching him run the bases. And then when he, he tried to go for two, in uh, which was a really costly error in um, uh, yesterday's game. And um, so, yeah, there's just not that power behind Vladdy, not the power in front of him. I mean, mm-hmm. Bichette and Springer are getting on base a lot. And uh, then you got Vladdy and Belt coming up next. And it, it really killed a lot of rallies this weekend. No, it has. And that's a really good point about this team just doesn't seem to have a cleanup hitter in the tra- traditional sense of the word. Anyways, I mean, Brandon Belt has been very good in May to his credit. He's hitting 350. Uh, on base of 480 and a slug of 500, but he's not hitting bombs. He's not hitting home runs. He hasn't had a home run in the month of May. And that was kind of the reason they brought him in as that, that lefty bat who can go deep. So despite the fact his numbers are good, he's not really that. I'd rather see belt in like the, in the seven hole, but we can't have the whole team hitting in the seven hole, right? Like, which is right. Where half the team should be right now. And that's part of the issue with changing the approach from offense first to, you know, a mix of lefties and and, and better defense, right? And, you know, to be fair, the offense first approach the past few seasons hasn't, hasn't actually gotten them anywhere, really. Um, you know, aside mm-hmm. from a really embarrassing exit from the wild card last year. Um, and so the, the change in approach, I, you know, I think it sure felt needed in the off season, right? Yeah. In a lot of ways, I think it felt really necessary, but it's, it's still leading to sort of similar results at the moment with players left and, you know, running, running and scoring position being left on base. And, you know, we don't have a true cleanup hitter and, you know, all these guys, you're not really sure exactly where to put them in the lineup because they're not producing. 
And, you know, when everything sort of centers around or supposed to center around Vlad uh, as your, your offensive juggernaut and he's not producing, you know, this is, this is, you know, who would look great in the cleanup spot, Jen? Marcus Simeon. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Teoscar Hernandez, and I was going to go. No, no I'm 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 lamenting one one yeah. season earlier. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll go Lourdes and Rowdy. Sure. And we're going to get to see Rowdy this week too. I mean, we could probably build a pretty good team of former Blue Jays over the last three years, but. <laughs> Um, any They're freaking like, panicking worse than we are right now. Just, just to chime in on the like postseason panic, I just wasn't there. I was not on postseason panic on change the approach. I we were an offense first team. I said go more. We're an 800 run team. Let's try to be a 900 run team. Let's go get more offense. That was my mindset. Go get. Yeah, more but you offense. were also very much about balancing the lineup. Let's not rewrite. Yes, yes, here. I was very much about bringing in lefties, but lefties that would move the needle offensively. Like I will happily sacrifice a Teo and a Lourdes if Freddie Freeman is coming back. And I know that I have a bat that I can consistently depend on. I don't want to sacrifice pure hitters for the idea of lefty batters when those lefty batters are either inconsistent with health or inconsistent with the bat. Right. So like we're I, calling Lourdes Gurriel Jr. A pure hitter. Now that's what we've become. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Pure hitter, two eighty-five guy for his career. Um, projects like like Yuli is thirty-nine and hitting two ninety. He's thirty-nine and hitting two ninety. You Lourdes is going to be thirty-nine in ten years and hitting two seventy-five. He's Lourdes is a better oh, Yuli. I hope we're still on this podcast in ten years, Joel. Oh, I'd love to revisit this. <laughs> Yuli oh, Gurriel man. from thirty-two to tweet for later. Thirty-nine. <laughs> Yuli Gurley, Yuli Gurley two-time World Series winner, one-time World Series MVP, I believe, or a National League, or an ALCS MVP. One-time champion on Dancing with the Stars. We get it. Yuli yeah. Gurriel is a stud. 32 to 39 is his career. So Gordas is 29. Going, he hasn't even gotten to the age where Yuli started. So going to chat here, uh, Joel, uh, Maiden World of Wax says Yuli is 10,000 times better than Lourdes. And then Deb Varsi says just because they do well on another team doesn't mean they will do well here, which is why next year when Kevin Biggio is playing for the Tampa Bay Rays, he's hitting 25 <laughs> home runs and hitting in the two hole. <laughs> That's a whole different conversation on how the hell we are. The most unfortunate island of baseball players in recent history. <laughs> All right. Uh, sticking with the chat, I want to go to uh, where was it? Uh, Jason had a comment about uh, we need Bo hitting behind Vladdy. So just as a we don't have a cleanup hitter kind of a conversation, leading the team in home runs. Obviously, the kid can mash. Joel, I know you like Bo hitting as high in the lineup as you can. Yeah, I do. Um, Would it fix pass. Vladdy? um springer in the four hole that's thank you yes <laughs> i said it for two years springer in the four hole he's not a leadoff hitter anymore it doesn't project that way he look he goes up there looking to slug he's always gone up there looking to hit the ball as hard as he can put that guy in the four hole you got a four hole hitter right there platoon the leadoff spot like do something is did they know like you could platoon it you could when kiermeyer comes back why isn't he getting shots in the leadoff spot 
right? Like there's there's ways to to figure this out without having to move Bo from kicking the shit out of the ball in the two hole. Well, and that's exactly what we've talked about when we talked about our dream lineup, what, a week ago, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. right? If you if you put Kiermaier in the leadoff spot and then go say, you know, Bo, Vlad, Springer, you know, Vlad, Bo, Spr like whatever order you put those guys in, but you've got yourself a, a much more solid looking top four. I like, and then I said, I liked Merrifield in the nine spot in the hopes of turning it back around up to Kiermaier, right? Like there are things that they can do. There is flexibility with this lineup. And that just goes back to what we said earlier. Like why, why are they unwilling to try to tinker with this lineup? The Tampa Bay Rays will I, put out any combination of nine hitters that they think will win them a game that day. Then yes, Jen, he, scream it. <laughs> nobody has, oh, I am a leadoff hitter and that's all, all I do, or that's all that we'll put in, you know, in the lineup for, right? That that's, it's ridiculous. And look what they're doing. And they always do stuff like this. So I, I just don't understand why I, I don't believe in change for the sake of change, just to say, oh my God, we did something. But I do think we've got a, a, enough of a sample size at this point to say, this isn't optimal. Let's see if we can find something that's optimal. The whole time they were playing the Rays, all I found myself thinking is how would that organization line up this batting order? Like, how would they be massaging this batting order? And what would they be doing in the field to get the absolute most out of the guys they have within this clubhouse? And is Toronto even close? I, I don't know the answer to that, but these are just more questions. I'm not really coming up with just, solutions here. <laughs> just be nice to have Springer behind Vladdy, literally saying, what do you think of big guy? What, do you, what are you looking at up there? Like conversing on deck before they go up, as opposed to Springer going up, having it as a bat and coming back and sitting in the bench. Now they're literally behind each other. And you have the veteran on the team who's supposed to be the veteran talking to your young star and saying, this is what you should be looking for in this situation. I faced this guy 72 times in my career. Uh, he's going to start you with this pitch, right? Like to me, that just, a lot of that just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I like I baseball point, Jen's that... point about the, uh, the rays, like you don't get a, ever get a sense that there's one guy on the rays that's carrying the burden of, I got to perform. There's no sense of that there. It's mm -hmm. a totally different team culture and it, I just joke around that they have some sort of algorithm that they've been working on for about a decade now that they just put out their lineup that way. And Blue Jays, dad, you could even go deeper than that because it's not even just the players. You can go within their scouting department and pilfer that. You can go within their player development. You can pick and choose from their front office and it doesn't matter what straw you pull out of that, that, what, what, what's the gate kerplunk, right? With all the marbles, the, the marbles never fall with the Rays and I don't know how they do it. It's so if, impressive. If, if the Rays ever come asking for one of your players, you hold on to that player and you get all your <laughs> analytic people on that player to figure out what to do with that player. And if the Rays let someone go, I mean, I, I think getting Kiermaier was awesome. Like I love yeah. that, okay? But when he got picked off, this weekend i'm like does that happen if he's with the rays <laughs> i just yeah i don't know and just just about all the base runners getting picked off this weekend it was unbelievable unbelievable the base running blunders that i think is just 
it's just the domino effect of everyone thinking we're not doing well enough at the plate. We don't have it. If I try for this extra base, I'm going to help out the team and it keeps backfiring. But anyway, it actually makes me wonder if there's ever been an organization who has approached the Tampa Bay Rays about a trade and just to see what prospects the Rays want. And then being like, you know what, this isn't going to work. (laughs) And then being like going to your scouting department and being like, find out what the Rubik's cube is for these guys. Cause the Rays have identified them. Like <laughs> exactly. I've been, uh, we were actually just talking about this on the Jaybird watching podcast when we were playing Tampa last week. And um, we were talking about, we've seen it over the last couple of years. You try pulling that manager out of the organization to do this with on another team. You do this, you do that. It's the sum of all their parts working in unison is working for them perfectly. I really think that at the end of the day, they got a kid rolling dice that just picks the lineup every day. He's got nine dice, whatever numbers come up. That's how they line up every day because it's something random all the time. But you don't see one of those little pieces coming out of that organization and being a hundred billion times percent successful. You talk that Rocco Baldelli is like the only guy that's still currently employed by any other teams, correct? Am I, is there anybody else that I'm thinking of? Obviously, Charlie Montoyo is a bench manager at this point, but none of the other pieces have really formed out into being anything as wonderful and crazy good as they were in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. I think there's just something going to that point that they are just running through everybody and they just know how to pick that. And right now, to Jen's point, I think they'd be putting Whit Merrifield at the top of this lineup because you're not getting that igniting factor from George Springer that you were getting in re- years previous when he was healthy. Whit Merrifield has been somebody I've been comparing to Reed Johnson over the last few weeks because he's just found a way to contribute over the last few weeks, whether it's a stolen base and a key opportunity, hitting that base hit when he needs to get on base, making a good play in the field wherever he happens to be playing is the other fun part. <laughs> so I just, it's amazing the pieces that they get in that organization and how they would shuffle this lineup together. Good point. I, I like the idea of Merrifield at the top as well. I mean, having him at nine as the pseudo leadoff for all intents and purposes, I guess is the same thing, but yeah, I don't, I don't hate a lineup that goes, that goes Merrifield, Kiermaier, Vladdy, Bichette, and then Springer, Chapman, Varsho from there. Or maybe Jen, but just the idea that you can platoon as well. Yeah. Like well, you can go platoon, Kiermaier. You can Kiermaier. you can go Merrifield. You've got two yeah. prototypical <laughs> leadoff guys out of those two, and you can kind of go with the matchup at the time. It. Platoon the leadoff spot. I don't see why that one. If it's getting you a three sixty OBP in front of Bo, thirty six percent of the time you got somebody on for Bo, Vladdy, Springer. That that feels more consistent and conducive for run scoring i don't know maybe it's the engineer in me i just don't want to see kevin kiermaier get broken by moving him out of the nine spot right now he is hands down the best nine hole hitter in all major league baseball so but maybe that's just that that's fair yep (laughs) and maybe a part two is is to to value the psychology of of things you know like going back to the rays again if you don't have that mindset that the team depends on me that actually for a grown-up playing baseball, that means a lot, I think, for a dynamic. And uh, the psychology right now, you can see really affecting Vladdy. I think that's major. Um, and I think a guy like Bo Bichette, he's a guy that I think he's he's the lowest key player like on the, on the Jays when it comes to just his ups and downs, how he handles himself. And, um, yeah, so I, I do think when you have this club, 
with different people thinking they're carrying it or they have to carry it. That's a recipe for disaster. And it seems like it's up and down the lineup right now. I did just to that point uh, in comparing with the Rays, Kevin Kiermeyer has said that the, a big reason for his success this year is because he feels like he has to do less than he did with the race. Hmm. So yep. for whatever that's worth, but yeah, the, the big guys at the top, it does seem like everybody's just gripping things too tight, running into outs on the base path, you know, trying to stretch it into a double when maybe we didn't need you to. Right. Um, yeah. Dude, Vladdy yeah, like, chasing, honestly, expanding honestly, the strike zone. Cause he's trying to do too much. Adam to, to touch on the base running here. And it's funny. Cause it reminds me, I, I want to hear what you think, Joel, uh, because you are such a big Moneyball fan, but it does remind me of the scene in Moneyball when they're down in the clubhouse and Billy Bean is talking to, I forget who it was, that's one of their base stealers. And he's like, you never steal a base. You do not run. You never run. You and pay me like, to steal. What... Exactly. And he goes, no, I pay you to get on first, not get thrown out at second. <laughs> and it's just no, like this team has given quote. away <laughs> so many outs. Like this team in the last three weeks since this he's talking to ray happened. durham by the way if you want to know he's talking to ray durham and that's thanks Joe. okay there thank Didn't you durham stole that many bases that he would, we, somebody would be considering ray durham to be stealing bases as his job <laughs> i don't remember him but the white Sox stealing it's not like he was stealing 50 bases a year i remember maybe 20 30 for some reason i loved watching him play with the white Sox, but holy shnikes i don't remember it being like that <laughs> like maybe not everyone should have the green light you know, like go over the percentages. All the analytics are available. If you're getting thrown out more than 10% so, of the time, it's done. So I'm, I'm, th this is an interesting number to probably, I don't know if anybody's ever heard this before, but when you get thrown out, you're taking an MVP plate appearance away from your team. Okay. Now what the, the an out, it, it takes about 1.4 at bats to acquire an out. So you take that, you multiply it by league average OPS. And what you get at the end of the day is you're taking about 1050 OPS away from your team from production by being thrown out on the bases. So when you try to take that extra base, you're like, oh, I was trying to help the team. No, you took an MVP plate appearance away from your team every time you get gunned. So course, only looking at the negative outcomes here, not accounting for the 14 stolen bases you do get versus the one time you're thrown out what that does to that that tells you you want an 80 to 85 percent stolen base ratio that's what that okay so you. so here here's the stolen base rate for the toronto blue jays whitmerfield 14 stolen bags one caught stealing i'd say green light for dim whitmerfield green light for for wit uh yeah. kevin kiermeyer five and oh i'd say green light but a lot dalton, of this isn't stolen bases dalton yeah. varsho six and one i'd say green light george springer eight and two on the base path, I'd say green light. Basically, everyone else is about a 50 50 toss up two and three, two and two, one and one. Yeah, but but a lot of the getting thrown out is stretching a or a single into a double, not getting there, being taken out at third base on a ground on a ball behind you, trying to take third base on a ball to shortstop. Like, Sorry, what's really? your point? Like stop overrunning third base. Like they're just getting, they're running out in the most ridiculous spots, trying to take that extra 90 feet when there's no need to that, that Springer overrunning third base yesterday was one of the most infuriating things I've ever seen, especially to start the game off. Like, and it happened again today, right? Like Springer gets on first and out right away, trying to steal second base. 
And it's just like, I, I understand that, yeah, eight times he got that stolen base. And so it's only a 20% rate of being caught. But in that situation, why is he going for it? I, sure. I but I mean, the, the counter side of that is like, there's also the dozens of times a year where a guy goes first to third. You know, a guy scores from second when he had no business score. Like there are also all the times where it works out. We're just, this is a recency confirmation bias here where we're like, we're frustrated that we're running into outs. We're pointing out all these times, but we're not also remembering all the times where Lourdes Gurriel or Tay Oscar was effing useless think, on the base path for whatever I reason. Think one of the hey, issues- Oscar, by the way, ludicrous speed, terrible oh. base runner. We can all agree on that, right? Yes. I think one of the issues, though, too, is when you, when are you being aggressive and who is at the plate when you are trying to be aggressive, right? Because there are a lot of running into outs when the when guy Bo's at somebody, the back. Yeah, this yeah is when why... somebody is at the at, at plate like Bo, who you should be sort of more or less trusting to put the ball in play rather than running into an out and then changing the complexion of that bat by doing so. Okay, but the, here's the difference: is when when Vladdy is hitting in this double digits for a batting average behind Bo and and I'm on first base as a George Springer or as a whoever I'm thinking, okay, Bo has a good chance of putting it into the, into play. If I'm on second, I'm scoring. If I'm on first, I'm going first to third and then Vladdy's ending the inning. For me, that's what I like. That's where my thought process is. That's why I'm going, I got a 90%, 80% chance of taking two here. And then if I do, I'm, I'm an RBI waiting for Bo. If I don't, I'm sitting on third and I'm a left on base for Vladdy because he's hitting 115 in the last three weeks or whatever the case may be. So I'm okay with that. But again, that goes to the whole, everybody's trying too hard, right? Yeah, And the fact that our, our team mentality was supposed to be like, uh, you know, attention to detail, attention to detail. Don't forget, take that guy out on the second mound visit. Yeah. Like I'm I'm kind of, Every time I see it happen, I'm like, we're seeing it happen from the guys that we brought in because apparently Lourdes and Teo did it all the time. But when they did it, everybody smiled a lot. and We hit a lot of home runs and we won a lot of games. So it's just like, and we wore jackets and the team was fun and they loved each other. And now like, Oh, they Vladdy's hate each like, other now. They're all me. miserable about it. You know, yeah. I was, I thought I was told that like Vladdy was going to bring his party bag to this season. And, and no matter who you brought in, he was going to have a great time with. That's not the case. That's a sad okay. man. Okay. And, so- hold on though. Hold on. Hold on. Because the team that was winning wasn't winning 105 games. They were a young core who had yeah. never experienced winning. So the expectations were not there. They were the Baltimore Orioles three years ago. Now there is expectations. Now 95 wins feels like a disappointment when you still lose the division by five games. Yeah. But like, isn't that, isn't that growth you would figure coming from your youth when you're a team that puts up a 200 run differential and you're the third youngest team in baseball with a hundred million dollars to spend on your payroll, you would assume that the youth would be the thing that puts you over the top. No, you wouldn't assume you would hope you would hope not assume, Yeah, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't give it, a year and then change 2021 happens and you change your approach. Why? 2022 happens and you change your approach more. Why? To me, that was something that you play that out for eight years and you give that a chance to win for eight seasons because I felt like you, you build on that, not rebuild it or reorchestrate something else that might win. 
like um, my my hot my my topic of the thing i'll just go right to it was sure. baltimore rebuilt their stadium in no way for fan experience they rebuilt it and all of a sudden that team started to win okay also they have a bunch of great players but they took away righty power no 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 joel them. let's let's give credit to the wall yeah okay let's give credit to the wall because <laughs> it takes away righty offense and it bolsters lefty offense which they have a ton they have a ton of lefty bats coming up youth that stadium seems built for the baltimore orioles to win in for eight years and then I listened to Shapiro say that he built the stadium because the, uh, the fans would get a better view. And I'm like, well, we got one team that's building their stadium to get wins and one team that's like, it'll be better if you see our losses more. Right? Like, I don't, so I'm, I'm kind of bad. We, we talk about Tampa Bay and everything to win. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, we're shifting our winning strategy. We're building a, a stadium that helps lefty hitters when we don't have lefty hitters then we go get lefty hitters that aren't so great anymore. And we wonder why Flatty doesn't have a home run at home yet because everybody's trying to push the ball to the opposite field. Like, why are you, why are you changing approaches and everything? I don't understand. We've got a thing in Dunedin that Shapiro's most happy about. We've got this building in Dunedin that we made, right? But we can't keep a runner from stealing bases against us. We don't, nobody knows a slide step. So you can have the most technologically advanced equipment in the world, but if you don't know how to slide step or throw a pitch out or like the fundamentals of baseball, who cares what the technology does? So you, I think the summary of what you were just referring to a little bit was the fact that the Baltimore Orioles retooled their team to play with that ballpark. I would bring up a question to you all here. And that is if you had to point out the glaring strength of what the Blue Jays are, that would be something we'd be able to, you know, rally the team around. What the hell is that right now for all of you? Because I think it's very contrasting, probably even amongst this group. Aggressiveness. Actually They're very aggressive. Be. Can yeah. we play into their aggressiveness? Well, before retooling, yeah, it would have been right-handed out. power. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right before retooling, it would have been right-handed power. Yeah. Yep. That would have been. I, their I don't strength. know what it is right now. If you had right to answer now? that question, that's why I was bringing it up. Because <laughs> right now, that's what they got to hurry up and figure out in the next two weeks. Otherwise, this is uh, to a few people I saw in the chat saying, "If we're all seeing a 95 win team's a disappointment, what happens when this 85? This is an 85 win team at the end of the season. Everybody's going to start lighting, you know, torches and pitchforks and storming the office. Oh, we better. <laughs> so. We're all in this together, right? Like we're." Blue Jays, dad, you've got a pitch and a fork you can join in with, right? <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it, it is, um, I, I think the, the starting rotation is a strength. I do. Um, so do I. At least for, you know, 60% of it um, or more. I think that um, the, yeah, the additions have been um, confusing. Uh, when it comes to what what's being produced, and uh, I I actually am not a fan of left right left right left right all that I don't think that's a thing. I think you stick with what you have that's working and not because I, I don't I don't think it really matters if you have a right hander right handed batter that can mash any type of pitching, or a left handed batter that can mash any type of pitching. I, th this is where I think things just got a little too complicated, a little too cute this year. And it's really messed with the lineup with, um, you know, having a, a good momentum of production throughout the whole lineup. It just seems that every second spot now is a whole. So anyway, yeah, I, uh, 
they, they do have to turn this thing around and um I won't bring up Vigio right now, but, but I, I do think he's a guy that is, I, I would give him, I would give him one more chance. And that's what I was trying to say on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Just give him one more chance of being in the field in different spots and then put him in DH and just have belt be the odd guy out. And because I still think Vigio age is on his side and I think you give him one more shot, one more shot because he can beat you with speed. He can do a lot that belt can't. And uh, that's where I just think you got to take your, got to take your opportunity. But so I'd love to to see the temperature check on where you all honestly, deep down, genuinely believe this team is headed. And I know that I may be pushing against the current here in saying that I still honestly believe this team is going to be a playoff team. I still. I, I predicted 93 wins in the offseason for this team. I still feel like this is a 93-win team. Are they going to win the division? I'm starting to definitely feel like that probably is a ship that has sailed. Now, that said, there is 100 games left, and a lot can happen. But boy, oh boy, did that uh, skid against AL East teams definitely hurt things. That said, I mean, again... And I know that the AL East was a different division when this happened. And I know that you can't just build a team and cross your fingers that things work out like they did in 2015. But when they acquired David Price, the team was 50 and 51. Like they were a game below 500. And I'm well aware that this team should be far better off than that with the core that they've already built, everything that they've already gone through over the last three years. Now that said... There's ups and downs. There's ebbs and flows to a season. And I personally still am positive, really curious, deep down, genuinely how everyone's feeling. Craig, we'll, we'll, we'll toss to you here. Do you feel like this team is a wild card team? We think they have the potential to be a wild card team, but right now I'm wondering what the hell the catalyst is to get them there. That is my current wonder i do think this is a team that can go that far and i do think they have the legs i do think it's mostly because that starting pitching is going to be the thing that carries them there but if they don't start getting some of these things figured out with offense getting properly done and the bullpen actually managing to hold some of the leads like we've seen over the last month um things are not right with this team and i wonder what's that next piece to get them there but i do think they have enough time to figure it out so this is a crazy crazy thought but davis schneider is just hit his 12th home run of the year. He has kind of come out of nowhere as this 25-year-old guy who can play every single position pretty much. He's even got some shortstop under his belt, plays left and right, plays third and second, hits from the right-hand side. With with guys like Espinal on the DL, uh, we're seeing the fact that Kiermaier and Jano are currently out. There are some at-bats to be had. Who, like, feel free to jump in here. Does anyone believe in catching lightning in a bottle? Does anyone believe that there are guys who, you know, the Kevin Pillars out there, that maybe that could be a spark to this team? Well, saw one of my favorite players do it a few years ago, Chris Colabello. I got to see him play in Rochester, New York here for years. I I would just like to weigh in on the the first question there, Scott. (laughs) You asked about our chances of making the playoffs. Yes. You got one opinion and then we moved on. I just want to weigh in on uh, the fact that the Baltimore Orioles with a 642 win percentage, and I know that doesn't mean 
the last two months dictates what happens in the next four months. But the Orioles are on pace for 104 wins and simultaneously on pace to lose the division by 11 games. That's fun. So um, the Rays breaking a major league record then? Well, that's what they're on pace for. They're 709 win percentage on pace for 115. So we're well, breaking it by four games, I think. Wasn't it 111? Wasn't that the Seattle Mariners? I mean, you have to assume that the Rays and the Orioles will hit a bit of a skid at some point, right? Um, but can the Jays get hot and make up any ground? That's that's the thing, right? There's there's so the gap is so big right now that two major shifts have to happen for for the Jays to make any real ground on either the Rays or the Orioles. And that's the that's the position that they're currently in. If I am being completely honest, you know, deathbed confession here, I don't think the Blue Jays are making the playoffs this season. And I think if they do, two things have to happen. One, Vlad has to figure it out. Two, Manoa has to figure it out. That's not even addressing the bullpen. That's not saying we need to stay healthy. I'm setting those things aside. Vlad and Manoa have to figure it out. Quick. Send them both down to AAA. You know what? I... The argument for Manoa, I understand that there's no one to slot into his space that is going to be better, quote unquote. But the flip side is, is Manoa has to get right. Yeah. And if that's not happening at the major league level, then that's the whole reason you send him down to AAA. Not because there's somebody better to take his place now, but because he has to get right. They, they absolutely, it is critical that he figures out what he's doing with that slider, gets his control back, gets his confidence back. The rest of the season kind of hinges on that. Give me losses to Casey Lawrence every day, knowing that Manoa, Manoa is able is... to work on what is ailing him down in AAA. And I know that I've, I've read a couple comments um, on some videos that we've done. And one that stood out to me was basically... If Manoa can get right in AAA, then he should be able to get right in the majors. And I, I really push back on that. I really do think that a guy like Manoa right now, who has never struggled at the major league level like this, I think taking a little step back and being able to take a breather and let's face it. Yes. Every player in Buffalo wants to win. But they, there's also a greater good. There's a reason why they're an affiliate, right? They're not going all out to win in Buffalo. And if they need to lose two or three or four games so that Manoa can get his slider right, can kind of get to the point where he's not feeling rushed on the mound and, and just looks comfortable again, I think that's the approach they need to take. Uh he gets that are, whole robo uh, strike zone thing in the minor leagues too, so maybe he'll get some extra calls. <laughs> Exactly, what, right? What about build, this? build some confidence. What, what, what about, I mean, I, I've been one that has said, you know, who, who replaces Manoa. If we're going to go with sending him down, I'm not saying as a, you know, 
as as comprehensive as Halliday's uh, journey was. Mm-hmm. But what about like all the way down? And if and just tell like what if you told him you're going to be gone for a month, and you're going to work your way back up. And I I guess I would be more confident in that rather than just because I think Manoa is. He's not the guy that bounces back and forth from AAA to MLB. No, That's not, he's not that guy. So I think you show him and you say, hey, this isn't a, a bigger demotion. This is a better demotion that is really committed to you taking those steps back. Because as we all, all know with Halliday, he came back with a discipline um, about his craft that, um, you know, that really humbled him, but zeroed him in when it came to that competitive edge that was a, a mature competitive edge. So uh, I, I guess if, if we got to send Manoa down, uh, I would say send him, send him down lower. And, and, so, and here's another thing I just want to say, too, is that I do think the team, because I do agree with baseball Jen on this, I, I do think the team has enough as is to turn this thing around if people, if players live up to their expectation and even just their season averages. Like everyone has been crappy at the same time except for Bo Bichette. And I, I, I think that there's if every if everyone just starts playing normally when, when it comes to getting their stats by the end of the season, what they ought to be, um, that's a pretty short window. It's a shorter window now than a whole season. And that means a lot of people being hot at the same time. So maybe it's a bad luck thing. Maybe a lot of those base running blunders. Yeah, it's pressure, but it's also bad luck. The ones I've seen with at third base, remember the two on Friday night at Target Field? We were right down by near the dugout. And we could, I, I saw both of those plays happen. They were awkward ground balls to third. I don't know if they had the green light to come, like the con- contact play of coming home when it was hit, and they realized, I'm done. And so they tried to get out of it. I know Kiermaier did it. And who else did it on Friday night? I forget. Was it Springer? Uh, yeah, I think, I you think know, it was. Two guys you wouldn't expect to do it. They were awkward plays. How about the one that Merrifield got thrown out at third? Remember, it was that the third baseman let it, was like letting it roll and let it roll all the way to third base. This was like in Tampa, I think. Yeah. Let it roll all the way through. And then Merrifield, like he was, he, I don't think he anticipated the ball rolling all the way to third. That was a tricky play. Another issue of bad luck. What if it's bad luck that turns around and then players just playing their normal potential? The Jays could get really hot from uh, this time forward. So I just want to clear something up really quickly for folks in chat. So Larry Leadman says, can you guys figure this out for me? I heard that unless it's a hurt assignment to send Manoa down, you'd have to put him on the waiver wire. So for everyone who's wondering, Larry, that is not the case. Manoa does have options. So he can be sent down to AAA without being exposed to the waiver wire and they can work him back up whenever. Um, Good question, though. Uh, also, we did have a little bit of confusion on the Roy Halliday uh, rebuilding through uh, single A, double A, and triple A. Uh, he did go down to single A um, in, I think it was 1999, he got a demotion to triple A after making his major league debut. But in 2001, he did pitch in single A uh, for 13 games. And then I think it was five in double A before coming to triple A and back up and to that point. Having that in the organizational history would work in our favor with demoting Alec Monoa to single A as to have a North being star, able to star to point to favor, yeah. and go like, look, we're not just worried about this year. Like the, this is the vision we have for you. 
trust in the process. You know, this is not a disrespectful demotion. This is just, we want to do it the right way kind of a thing. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I necessarily agree that that needs to happen, but that's a, that's a good point. And I don't think would be a, a terrible idea. I'm seeing the chat that they were wondering if that was more of a psychological move too, that you would be able to get him confidence. I know that with the Roy holiday thing, it was obviously he needed to, you know, gain confidence and stuff, but he also went through a enormous retooling of his mechanics. I, I know Manoa has been complaining about his mechanics lately, but you know, I think he's fighting himself a little bit more than he's fighting his mechanics, but maybe that's just my, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I know Maiden's oh. World of Wax says here, didn't Ricky Romero get optioned and disappear? And just want to clear up here, Ricky Romero, a very, very different scenario than Alec Manoa. Romero just had, literally his legs were shot by the time that he managed to to kind of get to the point where he was healthy again somewhat and he just couldn't get right. And basically it was health issues that took Romero out. Alec Manoa is healthy. Alec Manoa's problem has a lot to do with timing his slider and just getting comfortable on the mound. And I think if, if anyone in the blue Jays organization knew exactly how to fix Manoa, it would already be done. Right. So our son of eyes could go far though. To yep. your point. Yeah, it truly could. I'll, I'll just throw a completely different mindset out for it right now, because we're kind of in a situation where we don't want to lose innings in any way, shape or form. You want him to figure out two pitches. You want to figure out his fastball. You want him to figure out his slider. That's what a reliever does. You put him in situations right now where he goes out and faces three righties or a core of righties, and you just specify his, his pitching right now. You still get Manoa, but you can kind of like put him in a good situation, maybe for the next two or three weeks, try to figure out those two pitches specifically, and then get him back to throwing. Like that's like, I, I, Sending him down to the minors is is something that he may need. But the the thing about that Blue Jays team is that they weren't supposed to win the division when they sent Halliday down. So it's just kind of like you're real. You're giving up on what was your ace going into this season, and this dependent on being your ace, right? So if if there's any way for him, like I said, the, the issue is those two pitches right now. Getting the fastball down, getting that slider break where it is, and that's a that's a reliever focus. Two pitches, go out there, throw your best fastball, throw your best slider, get those things lined up, and maybe you can still help the organization as a major leaguer because we we need all the help we can get in any situation. So, okay, but, the war low twenty two. No, I, I got to jump in you. here, Scott. Yeah. I got just when we say that the problem here is his two pitches, those are the symptoms, and we don't know what's causing them. Is the problem right? It's like when I say I suffer from migraines. Is it because I have a brain tumor, or because I'm diabetic, or because I haven't drank enough water today? Like there are a Did number of options. I would love to have fewer migraines, but just to say, let's just have, let's just figure out fewer migraines is like a, a, an oversimplification. And I think that that's kind of the case with, he's just lacking on these two pitches. Like, okay, sure. But it could be so I, many I, different things. So true. But I'm, I'm saying that you can put him in a position in the major leagues where you focus on those two pitches. And if you can get those two pitches, right, that's a step in the right direction for him going up there, throwing three, four, five innings facing lefties, you know, put him in a position right now where he can help the team and he can potentially figure out what he needs to figure out by throwing, you know, four innings to or four okay. at bat. So they're like genuine right? point of clarification that I'm asking for here. And 
I could just be totally dumb on this. What is your plan then to pitch Alec Manoa out of the bullpen and say he's only allowed to throw his fastball and his slider until things get sorted? Is that what we're doing? I'm I'm saying that I might have misunderstood you. That's why I'm asking for clarification here. So what's your so, suggestion? Once again, the issues with Manoa are everything. It's 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 potentially diet, how he interacts with people, how he interacts with opponents, how he gets his game called, how he wants to call his own game. All of these things. There's a million factors. Cut all of it out and just say, listen, we need, want you to get four outs today. We want you to focus on throwing two pitches. Four outs. Four, just look, I'm not talking about turning him into a reliever long term. I'm not taking talking about taking away his ability to throw as a starter. But I'm just saying instead of throwing him down in the minors. And maybe, like you said, you don't know if that's going to fix it. We don't know what the issue is. So if you don't know what the issue is and that might not fix it, let's try to fix it up here still in some way that could potentially help the ball. So in that scenario, we would pitch him against four batters and then we would burn our bullpen for the rest of the day. I just feel like as far as helping the team win goes, Casey Lawrence would be a better option throwing seven, even if they're ugly. Yeah, but like maybe he needs a, an opener situation. Maybe you need a situation where you get Manoa through the four, first four batters of a lineup and he comes in and, and you see if he can run in, in that situation. Just all I'm saying is that if there is a move that you can make at for the major league team where he's still pitching and able to figure it out here, because we don't know if the minors are going to figure it out. We don't know if it's diet. We don't know if it's just a, a head situation. We don't know what it is. So if he can figure it out here, it's better than figuring it out. And we, 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 you know, I'd rather him figure it out up here. And if any of this is psychological, though, that might make things worse, right? Like that kind of, that type of demotion, however he views it might make the situation even worse. I don't know. And and how do you, I agree with you. I'm just, I think that the, that we have done it with Roy Halliday, who's like, yeah, I, I would say the best pitcher in organizational history. I'd be concerned about keeping his arm still built up to start and throw seven, eight innings if we're doing that sort of situation. Um, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, to Adam's Great. point, right? If you if the organization did it with Halliday, then nobody is immune from that same scenario, right? So th- I think this needs to be a bit of a longer term project in the sense that you are you are looking long term. We got to fix him for the long-term and not just for this season. And so I think something like putting him only four outs doesn't address the sort of that longevity of, of getting him right. I, I, I don't know, but I, I also think if things were going to work out at this point, if you were going to figure it out in the majors, I mean, it's June for all intents and purposes. I think we would have seen more progress on that front at this point. I don't know. So this this is an interesting question in chat that does kind of tie into this whole thing. Warloo 22 says, can someone tell me how Pete Walker gets to keep the guru status? To which I say, I don't know if he has. Um, I think that the, the luster, luster has magic, worn off. The 100%. magic around him being some sort of guru. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Blue Jays dad, curious what your feelings are on Pete Walker, because I know there's been a lot of attention from the fan base on John Schneider and some are calling for his head. And 
Uh, we've just talked on the show many times that it just looks so bad on Atkins to fire Schneider less than a year into hiring him that I don't think unless unless he totally loses the room, there's any way that, that happens. But maybe it is possible that somebody like Guillermo Martinez or even Pete Walker gets the axe. What are your thoughts on Pete Walker? And do you still view him as the guru that maybe we all did a year ago? Uh, you know, I don't know if I give it given that much of a special status, I would just say it's stability. I, I really don't look at Pete Walker being an issue. I think he's, uh, from what we can tell, he's tuned into the game. He's passionate. He's, you know, he has that good grumpiness about him when <laughs> things are, aren't going their way and, and he feels they're being cheated. Um, Schneider, I think you're right. I think, I don't think he's let go. Uh, I think um, here's my total hot take. Atkins is on the hot seat. Uh, when when he when he joined the the uh, broadcast booth a couple of weeks ago, he was like 110 percent positivity man. Like nothing could be better in Blue Jays world when Ross Atkins was talking on the broadcast. And for me, that was just a little bit, you know, suspicious. <laughs> it's like you're just talking <laughs> up everything and everybody, and everything's good. And uh, I think if there's any pressure, and this may uh, once again a good point about uh, focusing on Manoa's. Uh, uh, his long term rather than the short term. I'm wondering if someone like Ross Atkins is more really concerned about the short term, like back when you thought Alex Anthopoulos emptied the farm system, which he never did. Okay, none of those guys panned out. And just as another side note, we're talking about innings. This is why the Blue Jays won the RA Dickey trade. 200 plus innings a year, folks. That was yeah. huge for that time and that and for the franchise. You minus Dickey's two, 200 plus innings pitched a year with around a four ERA, a little bit less, a little bit more some seasons. That was incredibly valuable. Um, so I forget what we were talking about now, but basically uh, Pete Walker, good. Schneider, you're not going to let him go. Atkins, I think he's the guy that's uh, managing with a sense of urge or operating with a sense of urgency right now. That's really interesting. Uh, Larry Liedman says, at least Pete knows he went out to the mound. So a little <laughs> shot there. <laughs> I think at, at, at some points, and I don't know at what point they're at because we're not in that room, right? We have absolutely no idea the conversations that take place. I do genuinely believe that at some point, people need to hear a different perspective, a different voice, right? So even like as a teacher, right? I know that sometimes students need to hear it from somebody else. You know, they just need it said in a different way or in a different voice in order to like tap in. Do you, do you have accents, Jen? Can you do like, you teach in different accents sometimes? Just I, I explain <laughs> it in Spanish or something like that, right? You know, I do, I do something like that. Um, no, but seriously, right? Same thing with like, you know, people who go to therapy, you know, at some point you've heard everything that your particular therapist has had to say, you've grown as much as you can with that particular sort of advice or this or that. And it might be time to now then move on to somebody else where you can learn some more, right? You can grow some more. And maybe they've reached that point with Martinez and Walker. It is entirely possible that some of these guys have reached that point, right? And I'm talking about the core. I'm talking about, for instance, Vlad and, and Bo and Jansen, who have been around these same people for quite some time. Uh, you know, the veterans coming in, 
quite honestly, I, I'd be interested in knowing what they think about the approach since they've already come from other organizations. It would be, it would be very, in, that would be a very interesting thing to know, but it is that possible. Is, to, no, yeah. like you're, you're blowing my mind here because that is so interesting, especially with the fact that when they did do their, their manager flip, I mean, basically that's all that changed. And Schneider had been there that whole time. So is this any sort of new ideas or is this just move or was that more of a scapegoat scapegoat move to motivate the guys to holy shit, they're serious. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> I'm just picturing uh, someone hopping in an escape boat and yeah. uh, getting away with it. So. A real escape boat. <laughs> real escape boat. Yeah. Uh, Kicking the cat down the road. Kicking the cat down the road. Yeah, no. I mean, firing Montoyo very much, I mean, okay, supposedly he had lost the room, which means they had stopped listening to him, right? I guess. Um, but it was also partially a scapegoat move, you know? Um, and and the core guys, you know, like I said, Bo, Vladdy, Jansen, um, Manoa, like they've been hearing from these guys for years and years. It's entirely possible that they've learned what they can from them. And that it, it might be time to move on if we're continuing to see the same approach and it's not panning out. I'm not saying fire them today. That's not at all what I'm saying. But if things don't turn around really quick, I think that that's the first move, you know. is Are we in a desperate times call for desperate measures situation right now? I think they're headed there, potentially. Potentially. I think so, because you're now risking, like now the long-term signing of the youth is at risk. Like this isn't, are they sitting there going, why, why would I sign here long-term, right? Like um, to me, to me, the issue stems with, I feel like the fact that once we did make a managerial shift, that was a change in approach because we went from like Latin American ball players, a Latin American speaking manager who could speak to them to uh, Merrifield, Belt, Bassett, Chapman, um, Kiermaier, Varsho. Like I'm, that's a shift in, in, in completely an approach of using the strength that your manager had than getting rid of the Latin American ball players that he could talk to for players that John Schneider can now approach and, and play a different style, the attention to these detail style of baseball to me. And now you're you have just made a bunch of moves to shift into that style to find out that that might not work 60 games into the season. So not only is it a panic mode, you can't change the approach that you've made because you, your entire managerial approach was your team's approach. And you built around that new change in management and general managing. So it's just like, to me, it's finding out you went the wrong way and there's no way you can go back. So real question here, um, and I'm really curious how what what the four of you, five of you uh, think here, and everyone in chat, feel free to chime in here, because Andrew McLeod says, Jen, what is the Spanish term for systematic failure? <laughs> uh, lost faith in Shapiro slash Atkins, they're not working. So my question for everyone here, and chat, feel free to chime in as well. Do you folks believe that Shapiro and Atkins truly are tied at the hip? Or do you believe that, like Blue Jays' dad said, 
It's Atkins who is on the hot seat. And the idea behind the fact that Shapiro can't move on from Atkins is, is a little silly because I, I do think that it's interesting to see James Click 2022 World Series champion with the Houston Astros brought in as an advisor scenario just there in the waiting <laughs> Well, I, it's interesting. I said last week that if they don't make the playoffs, Atkins is out, right? His time is up. Um, Shapiro, I, I think maybe to save his his own self, if nothing else, I, I, right, would 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 absolutely make that move. Uh, do I think Shapiro could also potentially be on the hot seat? Yes, I do. Um, so, uh, but Atkins definitely like. Blue Jays dad, I don't think that that was that much of a hot take, to be honest. I think absolutely, if this season goes south, um, Atkins is out. I think this. I think the the retooling or whatever you want to call it, the change in approach, firing the manager last year. I think all of that was like sort of that one last shot. Okay, we've been doing it this way. Okay, this hasn't worked. We're going to come at it from this direction. We're going to put all of our eggs in this basket. And we're going to, you know, I think that was sort of a last ditch effort on, on Atkins part. And I think very easily uh, he'll be out the door if, if this doesn't head to the playoffs. Okay. Can I jump in with a quick asterisk just to complicate things on Jen's point here? Always. If the Blue Jays miss the playoffs, but they win 94 games, does that still apply? Because 94 games is a 580 winning percentage. Right now, the Yankees are the third wild card spot with a 582 winning percentage. So, with the absurdly historic season that one division is putting together, if the Blue Jays still finish fifth in the division and win 94 games, if somehow the math works out that that's even possible, it's kind of crazy that we're two months in and it's the way it is. Even if we won 94 games and missed the playoffs, how do we feel about this front office? Is that something that we just write off and go, wow, it was a weird year. We won more games than we did last year. It was a step forward. There's no way they win 94 and don't make the playoffs, though. Well, no, I just told you it's totally fucking possible. The Yankees are on pace for 95. The Orioles are on pace for 104. The Astros are on pace for, I think, around 99. Joel's, Joel's favorite team of all time won 91 games. Okay. A different playoff situation, but yeah, <laughs> that point, the still didn't work different this year too. So you're gonna you got you're watching the Rays and the Baltimore Orioles, regardless of how good they're playing, they're still beating up on some teams that they should be beating up on. Yeah. They're winning more games because they're not gonna be playing teams like us all the time. There is what twelve games in our division now. The, the records are gonna be catastrophically different this year. That was gonna be the first move of the schedule thing. We have no idea how many wins actually gets, especially in the American League East this year, gets you into a wild card spot. It might be 95 wins at this point. (laughs) Here's how I here's how I'd like to just make a a different dynamic in this conversation, in this discussion. I think that if the Jays win, let's say, what are we talking? 94, 95 wins or whatever. And they do not make the postseason. I think that's still on Atkins, but not on uh, Shapiro. Here's what I think. I think I think Rogers is happy with Shapiro from a business standpoint. 
the renovations, all that, like dealing with the issue of we can't get natural grass in this ballpark. We can't re, you know, build a new ballpark right now. That's going to be 10, 15 years out or something like that. I think they are happy with the changes. And I also want to make a point about the changes. So we're talking about uh, earlier point about Baltimore building, rebuilding their stadium for their team. The Jays are doing it for their bottom line. And the bottom line is this. Passes in the seats. It's that simple. (laughs) Phase two. It's all about phase two. It's not about phase one. Phase one sets up phase two in the, in the improvements, improvements of the Rogers center. Then now you're you're taking all the real fans, all the peons, get them in the outfield zones, having fun with their families and drinks and social atmosphere, so we can get all the good seats to corporations. And now it's a thousand dollars a seat to have good baseball tickets. And so that that's where I just like don't be brainwashed by it. We're being brainwashed. Like, oh, now I can have drinks with Hazel May out in right field. Yeah, that's all <laughs> cool and stuff. Um, but the issue is home plate lady and those other season t- ticket holders since '77 and their families are losing all of that. It's all changed. You're not going to see her probably sitting back there anymore. And anyway, so I think Shapiro is he's winning with the with the corporation Atkins will suffer for the performance on the field. If they do not make the postseason and go beyond. I, I absolutely agree with that. I was sort of thinking something similar when the renovations were brought up earlier, the renovations have nothing to do with the team that is on the field and everything to do with putting money in the owner's pockets. That's absolutely correct. My buddy went to a game uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and he was telling me that he has never in his time of going to the Rogers center felt so sucked of every dollar he possibly could spend. He was like, it was mind blowing being up in that 500 center and like the amount of places he could just go and have a drink or every little thing. He's like, they set it up beautifully to suck every penny out of every person they can. They're serving in one of the areas they're serving alcohol, apparently into the ninth inning. Right. Yes. And it's like this, this whole thing where people are like, we know, we know they serve booze till the ninth there. And there's like huge lines and stuff. This sounds like like the weirdest episode of the new season of black mirror. I don't know. Just this whole phase two dark conspiracy in the corporations and the common man and the resistance. Don't let them fool you. Wake up to the Shapiro bullshit. I love it. I mean, we, but we all Don't saw that article on how much those season's <laughs> ticket prices are going up, right? And I mean, I've sat in home plate ladies' seats several times, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine the, 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 the that that jump in price for for all of those people, not just the people that we see on TV behind home plate, but that whole section there, right? It's it's. Oh. Home plate lady's going to be section 524 ladies. <laughs> Sad times. That was a good right. one, actually. That was really good. <laughs> Print up the t-shirts now. <laughs> Get on the merch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we got half an hour left and we haven't really topics, got to right? our topic. So let's... Uh, we haven't talked about anything. <laughs> been a bit of a sloppy yeah, episode, but... Group. 
Yeah. No, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I hope everyone in chat and uh, listening on audio tomorrow is uh, enjoying it as much as I am. Um, okay, so let's get a little clarification here because I know sometimes we've touched on a topic that someone was planning on bringing up today, and we just said, "All right, let's just get to it right now." So um, we're just going to go around. If we've already talked about your topic, uh, shut up and we'll move on. If not, let's let's get into it. So, uh, Craig, let's start with you. Have we addressed your planned topic for the day? We had right off the bat. I wanted to talk Jose Barrios a little bit into that fact that I'm starting to see the Jose Barrios I fell in love with here in Rochester, New York, when he was playing in Twins Triple A, and it's starting to feel like he's got his his uh competitive edge back a little bit. It's not going to ever be perfect because riding the Jose Barrios arm for even back when here, it was always a very ups and downs situation. Even like I said, when he was in AAA here, but it was never, ever even close to seeing what Blue Jays fans saw last year. That's why I figured at some point, the mental part of his game will click back in and he'll fall back into place. And I think Blue Jays fans are starting to see that over his last three starts. His curve or slurve, whatever you want to call it, that thing is right back. Like, oh, she's a beauty. And the way he's locating, like, again, you're right. Can we attribute some of this to the new role that he's found himself in? Like, what, he's our number four guy this year? As opposed to when we traded for him? Was our number two? Like, he was, yeah, he was one. He was the, the guy, right? I know Joel's giving me looks like, He's better than Manoa, right? But like, no, for all intents and purposes, Manoa was our, was our one, right? Like, we have a, a underperforming one. Gossman's doing great. Bassett's doing great. Burrios as a four is freaking awesome this year. Even Kikuchi as a number five is like a sick number five. Not to mention his cat like speed and reflexes today off of the bench. <laughs> hey, I see that. Oh, oh Kikuchi. Fly ball. Ball. Right. went into the dugout. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Can, uh, I say something about, went up in the air. <laughs> can I say something about Barrios? What I think was his problem last year. Please. Here's my hot, another hot take. Here we go. Um, shortened spring training. There was a short spring training lot, last year and he had opening day and he was, it was terrible. And I think that got him on the wrong foot and messed up his uh, mechanics. But I've always believed in him, not only because he's my favorite, but because he has the stuff. It's not like, a, you know, um, a number four or five or a quad a pitcher. That's like, well, if we could just be Josh towers, you know, he'll be awesome. Um, it's, he I has the, stuff. The, guy. <laughs> it's just that he has the stuff to be uh, number one, number two in a rotation. So I think it was shortened spring training messed him up for the season last year. Well, on the subject of shortened spring training, then uh, how much are we chalking that up for Alejandro Kirk and the season he's having? Cause I think it's had way more to do with this than anyone is giving it credit for. I think he came in and just was, he just, Kirk never found his swing. Like all of these guys kind of found where they normally are in the batter's box going into April. We all know how hot this team started and Alejandro just wasn't there. He, and you're seeing incremental, um, incremental, positivity here right like you are seeing progress on Kirk's part I think we are no well I'm just looking at the numbers in May okay numbers in May batting average 203 OPS 520 
Okay, well, I take it all back then. I, I again, I don't, I don't no, know. I mean, there's more totally. to the numbers than just the numbers, right? But I mean, if we just pencil in April as his equivalent for spring training, and then say, okay, May is his first month of the season, still just not that good. I think it's, it's possible lot. also that Kirk had a really fantastic season last year and may not recapture that again, which was why I advocated trading him last season when his value was the highest. We yeah, all did. We all I did. Mean, I, I, I wonder. Was, I think that was probably the other one. I there, saw him is there, bombs is there, in Bluefield, West Virginia. Is there anyone so. here who thinks that Kirk is who they wanted to move to. Like, I truly think that the organization wanted to move Kirk too and couldn't, right? Or do we have so little faith in this front office that you think they were trying? I honestly have no yeah. idea. I, I yeah. have no clue. Yeah. I, here's I my guess. Tony and Gabrielle Moreno right there. Nobody wanted to go down to, oh, even a guy that was an all-star last year. You know, everybody's thinking toward the future. And that's what you saw in that trade with the Diamondbacks. They wanted Moreno. But also, I mean, just based on the way this team has like unfounded arbitrary belief in a guy like Kevin Biggio, I just wouldn't be surprised if they did like feel high on Kirk. We're like, no, we believe in him. Like he's our, he's, he can, he can shoulder a load of four starts a week. Joel, come in and defend Kirk here. You, you, right. Those furrowed eyebrows. That's, that's coming to the rescue of Alejandro Kirk here. (laughs) God, I hope so. No, Joel does um, such a great job of raising his hand without moving his hands. He's yeah, just like, it's you, you can tell he's like, I'm waiting yeah. to jump in here, guys. Uh, so um, it's a tough situation with Kurt because with the team, there's so many, they put faith in guys that you don't, you, you don't know if you can depend on a five foot eight, 270 pound catcher. You just like, there isn't really a history of, so many 5'8", 270 pound catchers have 15 year careers in the bigs, right? So it's just, it's that's a situation where if you're dangling Moreno versus Kirk for me, when Kirk's value was high, yes, get rid of Kirk because I will, I will take what Moreno has in his athleticism. I believe that that projects better. Like we're all feeling that way, right? I think we all felt that way. Kirk, his bat when it's on fire seems like it could be a four hole hitter bat, right? When he's, when he, the first three months, the first two months of last year, it seemed like, oh, uh, you can't strike this guy out. He's going to hit the ball to the gaps and he's, he can drive people in and he can be a middle of the order bat. And when that's not there, then you're looking at a guy who can't throw out runners and the guy you got rid of has a 94th percentile pot time. So it's just like, it's, it's like, oh, what it's, it's a lot of our holes are being exposed, especially the fact that we're being run on the most in major league baseball. That's another thing too. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, I was, I would have advocated that when Kirk's value was at its highest, that's when you just get, you you gotta go. You gotta. Is is Danny Jansen able to get hot without instantly getting injured afterwards? Like it's just, as soon as his bat heats up, I'm like, Oh no, here it comes. Yeah, it's like the big diesel engine needs to regenerate. <laughs> I wanted to say something about Kirk. I, I think, uh, I don't know if this has been said before, but I mean, he did have a kid um, yes. right around spring training. And there's only one guy that I know that can show up at spring training without doing much and start mashing balls. And that was Matt Stairs. 
That guy said he never swang a, a, a swang, swung a bat in the uh, off season. He just showed up and started mashing. And so it's a special <laughs> gift to be able to be that guy. Um, yeah. But I also think Kirk, if there was the option of letting of including him in the deal instead of Moreno, I I'm just going to guess it's another Atkins man, managing with a sense of urgency saying, no, Kirk is the win now guy. Kirk yeah. is the win now guy. Huh? That's a good point. Sure. I've been saying that's that. Alan logic Kirk behind is destined that. to be our DH in the next two years, regardless. And I don't think that's going to be much of a move on that. If you're going to be holding on to Danny Jansen, you're going to hold on to somebody like uh, Taylor Heineman or somebody like that just to be the other catcher. Uh, and then put Kirk and DH. <laughs> what about uh, that Varsho guy? I heard he can play catcher. Where's that catch? I don't think they're but going he is, to. Uh, what, 50-50 for catching balls in center field that go over the fence now? <laughs> he's he's one, and two, one and three. <laughs> oh, God, one three. 33%. It's that damn height that he's plagued with. Um, is it crazy to think that we see Varsho behind the plate even once during Jansen's stint on the IL here? Again, if we're in a desperate times call for desperate measures situation, I don't think it's completely crazy. No, but I will say if I think it's said, part of why they got him. Sorry, Scott. No, right? no, no. I, I, I hear like, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong here, but if you were to say over under 0.5, I'd say over. But if you were saying over under 1.5, I'd say under. I, I really think they're trying to avoid having him behind the plate. My fantasy baseball team that's working out pretty well, though. Just saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he hasn't been like, he's not he doesn't know the pitching rotation i don't think he's even tried to learn it so he said he, he hasn't do- caught he hasn't even caught a game like like in as in a bullpen since spring training he said so, yeah. so desperate times guys desperate times i don't know break russell martin happens. back <laughs> there you go all right um, catcher who was he who's taking over for him in the outfield right now unless you bring yeah, up like somebody like spencer horowitz to Play left field. Well, we don't have a second baseman right now either. Yeah, Bichio, Bichio's hitting bombs. Trust in Bichio and Espinal. <laughs> Just, I don't know. This is actually a perfect uh, place for my topic. If you okay, yeah, let's go to you then, Scott. Please here, Adam. Yeah. So um, this is the third game in a row that Spencer Horowitz has been in left field for the Buffalo Bison. He's a lefty bat. He's hitting three thirty-five currently and started slow. He has been mashing the ball with everything he's doing outside of home runs, pretty much. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer possibly could be at the point where they need to make an IL decision. So if if you're seeing Horowitz, who's normally a first baseman, getting these reps in left field and also a lefty bat, could we see Spencer Horowitz as the possible replacement in an emergency scenario where Kiermaier maybe has got to hit the IL. <laughs> Everyone's you like, play yeah. the hot hand. I think you got to bring the hot hand. You guys up. are like, this wasn't a topic, Scott. This was a yes or no answer. <laughs> you talk somebody like it could be a catalyst. If his bat carries over even half of that, you know, he's going to drive in some runs near that bomb of the order that we were talking about. And it could be the same as what you were eventually hoping to get from Brandon Belfort or any of those guys that they were going to be trotting through the DH spot and somebody you could have on this team for the foreseeable future. Been a high level of prospect for the last few years. 
give it a shot. And he's 25. He's not a kid, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Why take a chance on a guy with upside when you can put Ernie Clement out there instead? Oh, you're hurting my hometown guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have three friends that went to high school with him. Oh, there you go. Um, I don't have anything else to add to that. Yeah, I think uh, David Schneider feels like sure. I think he should have a, a chance. Do I think he will? I don't. I don't think he probably will. I think we constantly see guys like Josh Palacios instead and uh, Nathan Lucas. It's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm flabbergasted by. I don't know. Anybody else want to chime in on the use of the uh, upside minor league guys or the lack thereof? It has been weird to see them put Nathan Lucas on the bench and when they have chosen to give him opportunities has been, I don't know. It's kind of like Craig, you said with the Tampa Bay Rays where they just like take a child and blindfold them and let them throw a dice. And that's how they, you know, like that's, that feels like the usage for Nathan Lucas. I, I can't understand it. And then when they bring a guy up, he's not getting any at bats or any opportunity. Otto Lopez, I, it has to be the least useful bench in Major League. Yeah, baseball. it's truly, it's 100%. weird. And I understand that. I understand that the Blue Jays aren't loaded with uh, with top end prospects right now. And I know that when you look at the Buffalo Bisons, as much as a a good team as they are in AAA, you know there aren't a ton of guys that are projecting with a super high ceiling, but dudes like Horowitz. We have Addison Barger, the savior at shortstop. All I'm saying (laughs) is that dudes like Spencer Horowitz and Davis Schneider, they make good major league players in tons of scenarios. There's lots of guys like that who weren't a top 100 prospect, but have been a good ball player or 25 years old and get called up and fill in just fine. And maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle. I don't know. I stopped it three times. You're not muted, Craig. Singing and everything. (laughs) Mute your mic before you hit your kid. This this is the best, most walk-off thing (laughs) ever. I did mute my mic. You're kidding me. (laughs) Well, if you're arguing with us, that's not a good sign that you're right. (laughs) What the hell is going on with my setup then? All right. All right. Who's who's got another topic? Joel, Blue Jays dad, Jen. Mine was the stadium design. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk stadium design then. Oh, we did. Um, yeah, yeah, mine was mine. mine You're good with Was it? the idea that they built more the Baltimore for fan experience and, uh, as opposed to winning rich uh, people instead of yeah. the team? Yes. Yeah. So should we have just stayed right-handed heavy and bring in the left field wall? <laughs> if you wanted to win more. All right. There you go. I still want seven-foot outfield walls. So lower them. That's what I say. Jen, you were good with with that, or do you have anything else you want to um, bring up? About? My, you usually have a backup. I yeah, I had a topic um, five days ago. Hengen Ryu threw a bullpen session and says that he is going to be back mid July after the All Star break. Assuming that that is true, assuming that he does is ready to return after the All Star break. I would like to hear your predictions about how he fits into this team. 
Well, I think he's going to be the savior, right? He's going to step in right after a year after Tommy John surgery and and be our number one pitcher. Uh, he will no. play, replace Manoa. Clearly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think I honestly, I think for a lot of reasons, Ryu's addition is going to be fantastic for this team in July. I think that they may even go with a six-man rotation for a few times just to give some guys some rest. I mean, we've been very lucky, knock on all the wood in the world. Bad tacos have not touched this starting rotation. And they're the only, I think I heard, saw a stat and I could be off. It might've just been the American league. So correct me if it's not all of baseball, but I'm pretty sure they're the only team in all of baseball to only have used five starters to this point, which is literally unheard of. In so absolute peak year for Tommy John as well. They also, it, that's a great point. Uh, Joel, that this is the most Tommy Johns we've seen in a season uh, in a long, long time. It might even be ever. And on top of that, the Toronto Blue Jays starting rotation leads the league in innings pitched. So I think being able to go to a guy like Ryu, who has been there, has been the ace on a rotation before, is a wily dude and doesn't rely on velocity. If he might be able to come in and, and, and truly pitch his way into a playoff spot, if this team is a playoff team, uh, I'm excited about Ryu. Okay, so early in the season, we kind of w- looked at Ryu and even Chad Green as like free trade deadline acquisition pieces, right? These are guys who can contribute. We don't have to give up anything to get. But now I'm starting to wonder, is that going to work to our detriment where it's an excuse to not go out and pull the trigger on something now? Maybe we don't go get you know, reach early on a trade for a starting pitcher that could help us because we're looking down the road too far and going, well, we, we can maybe figure it out with, with Manoa. Maybe he can limp us to the all to the all-star break. And then we got Ryu back. And so is that maybe going to work against us now, or am I just being too pessimistic? As long as they're not pulling that with Chad green and not bolstering the bullpen because of that, I'm, I'm actually fine with them. Not, going out and getting a starting pitcher but if they are gonna sit here and point to chad green and not bolster the bullpen i mean i i know blue jay's dad will lose his mind <laughs> green so, has so, no timeline for return just so, that was why i only asked about ryu okay but, so so with green's, ryu but green's jerseys are ready for purchase on mlb <laughs> shop they're there it's really funny amazing uh okay so worst case scenario then manoa gets sent down to triple a single a whatever doesn't find it this year is not a good starting pitcher for the rest of the season and when i say good like sub four era for manoa are we okay with just ryu as our fifth starter and him being another month and a half away or is there a need to bolster the starting rotation are we just good Well, here's my question. Do the Blue Jays have the chips to make a deal at the deadline? Do they? That's a great question. Do they, another question to add to this, do they even want to, because they, I think they have one and a half million dollars before they get bumped up into the second luxury tax, which is going to increase the percentage that they need to pay. And are they willing to do that? Like, are they literally working with almost zero prospects and also only 1.5 million? 
These so, are great questions. And I hope whatever producer for Blair and Barker that's listening to this <laughs> puts it in the show notes so they can answer it for us. So We're great I, at questions. <laughs> I would argue something that Blue Jay's dad said earlier, which was that Anthopolis did not empty the farm system because none of those prospects panned out. At the time that he traded them, though, they had value right? They had value to get something in return. From that perspective, he absolutely did empty the farm system. And as it currently sits, those assets do not exist right now, right? So whether or not they pan out in the future is sort of irrelevant. It's what value could they bring back right now? Right. And baseball, Jen, I think that was one of the skills that Anthopolis had was hyping up his farm. You always heard about all those guys. They hyped him up. It's like Ross Atkins when he was on the broadcast a couple of weeks ago. Hyping Absolutely. Up the team. It, he also knew his foot was out the door. He knew he was gone. And he just said, let's go all in. This is my last year here. Right. But, so maybe that's what Ross Atkins, does this Atkins, year in the hot seat. So Atkins, yeah, same, same situation. <laughs> See you, Ricky. Differently stocked, though, to your point. Yeah, that was hurt. <laughs> I mean, if the Jays have the go-ahead to to take on money, who knows? If Atkins' back is against the wall, we could see a very, very interesting trade deadline. Any team that increases their season ticket prices by as much as they're increasing theirs for next season can damn well go to the next threshold. What was the increase on season <laughs> ticket prices? I just saw the article, the headlines that people were upset. Prices are up. I'm out west. Season tickets is never an, uh, I, I an heard, option. I heard, I heard it was up from a hundred dollars a game to one thousand dollars a game. That's what the article said. That's, oh, yeah, so, so I, I think they mild. went back on it. That's mild. <laughs> I thought that they went. There was an article that said there was an eight hundred percent increase, but yeah. they also went back and said it would be a hundred eighty percent increase and that that was just a situation where the seat was being elevated in status and it wasn't the norm around the stadium but for i hear that the season tickets are up 180 percent okay as a, as a norm so that's still staggering it's going from 15,000 to 38,000 i believe so it's that's a big jump um the here's an interesting play on ryu um because everybody's talking Anthopolis. Anthopolis made the deal for Eddie Rosario that year where he was already hurt. Can you can we see an inverted deal where somebody may want Ryu and we could take on some of that cash and trade Ryu for somebody who helps us now get to July whenever he would get back? Because we could, we could sure use some help before we have no idea what that date when he comes back means. You know, well, so, you better get the hype train going if that's the case. That's what I'm saying. Like, hey, he's back in July. Hey, <laughs> does anybody want to feel started? Can we take somebody who can give us something Yo, right now? We, we can't wait to put him at the top of our rotation. He's <laughs> getting our ace back. <laughs> the uh, radar gun hit hundred for, for you. You're like, you see this thing? Hundred. <laughs> we'll move him for anyone, but Tampa Bay. M- don't you dare apply. Like <laughs> that's like literally my biggest fear is watching Kevin Biggio and Hinjin Ryu play on the Rays and totally dominate in 2024. Co like, world series MVPs. The, yeah, just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh, Blue Jays dad, you're the last one to maybe have a topic and I hope it's Kevin Biggio. 
Uh, well, it can be Biggio or the bullpen, whatever one let's we go, want. Let's go bullpen. Bullpen. We're okay, getting a lot of so chat bull- in the comment about, about the bullpen. Yeah, so, so bullpen. I mean, I've been feeling this way since uh, the wild card series when you saw Schneider managing in a desperate, uh, you know, from a sense of scarcity in his pen where he had to go to Romano early and then Romano didn't have it. Then what do you do? Like it's um, so I and, you know, Swanson, I think was a great pickup but he was not number one or two out of the Mariners bullpen. He wasn't, he was uh, a third guy, a uh, setup guy. I know he had some injury stuff last year and so, you know, why we didn't see him in the postseason. blah, 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 blah. Swanson was a great ad. Uh, Romano, I think is, is a great relief pitcher. Um, I think that uh, the rest of our pen are guys that are more five, six, seven, six and a half inning guys. And I think we do need a big arm at the back. And that just makes everybody better. Everybody gets better. If you get one more elite back of the bullpen arm. And we saw it with Baltimore, other teams um, that can bring in a guy that's consistently throwing a hundred plus. And I know it's not all about speed and you need location. I get all that stuff. I'm just saying when, when guys have played a whole game, they are tired in the ninth inning. And if you can have a guy there that's humping it up at a hundred miles an hour plus, that is a game changer. And uh, once again, I think probably I haven't heard uh, your opinions on this, but I've been big on Romano throwing his fastball more. He needs to lead with the fastball and then have his breaking ball. That's been a big, um, I think uh, issue for him. I don't know if it's his arm, I don't know what he's thinking or if it's what he's told to do, but I want to see a power arm added to the back end of that bullpen. And then everybody gets better. The game gets really short uh, when you have three guys that you can trust to come in and get some swings and misses. Yeah, it's hard not to agree with that Blue Jays dad. I know that uh, the dream in my scenario here in my brain would be Nate Pearson continues to take steps forward and we can go to him in those high leverage situations. I would love to see a guy like Hagen Danner or Troy Watson or Yasser Zulueta hit to a level uh, where they are dominant enough to take the next step up. I would love to see an acquisition of a, a big arm like Liam Hendricks. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there to choose from. Hendricks is just the biggest name on the, on the obvious trade market uh, because I, I really like the idea like the, and the, and the reason I bring up Hagen Danner and Zulueta and, and Troy Watson, all three of those guys are hitting over triple digits. So yes, maybe they're that guy that, yeah, you don't bring them in unless it's the sixth inning and it's the bottom of the order, but having that guy in the playoffs that can come in and throw 103, you know, every once in a while. And, and I mean, frick, Philadelphia was full of them last year, right? Like guys that now we're seeing they're struggling, right? Because that's the thing with big arms in the pen. You never really know if they're going to be deadly, but you need enough of them with some gas back there. And that, that special pitch that maybe a few of them hit, right? So I, I I'm with you a hundred percent. Um, I just want to jump in and, and give some love to Nate Pearson. Scott, you touched on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as our bullpen goes, uh, he is second in ERA. He is third in whip. He's third in opponent batting average. Uh, second best home runs per nine. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm loving what we're seeing out of, out of Nate Pearson. He's pitching two innings. And going multiple when innings. needed. Going yes. multiple innings. Yes. I, when do we this think is every, Schneider everything starts I using him that way? What's that? When do we think Schneider starts using him that way? <laughs> He's seen tipping his hand a little bit recently. Letting him yeah. go that way a little bit, but but it's been very, you know, he hasn't come in for that two um, two inning outing a couple of weeks ago, you know, until that Tampa Bay series where he came in and kept the game close for those two innings. Joel, your face is giving you away again. Mantis Toboggan says, I really want to hear from Joel. So, <laughs> buddy, all those oh, words um, that are scrolling behind your eyes, let them out. <laughs> I think I would more so be looking for a bat that allows my bullpen to be more reliant on fifth tier, sixth tier guys. You know, like, do I want a big bullpen arm right now? No, I think offense, weirdly enough, maybe a, an outfield bat is probably what we need. Um, So I, 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 I like, like, do we, do we need bullpen attention? Yeah. Um, but I think that we've got to hope that the moves that we made for bullpen arms, like, you know, we, we have to hope that Trevor Richards for Rowdy and, and Swanson for Teo holds up because we need what we lost offensively. I think more, we need to put ourselves more in positions where we can close out games than try to, if, if we don't have the lead, we can't close out the game. So we Joel, need the with lead. Brandon Belt hitting with good numbers right now, but no power. Looking back, hindsight wise, do you, even though Joey Gallo's only hitting still 195 in, in Minnesota, would have you rather Gallo in this lineup hitting 12 home runs, but also striking out like he always does? I, I, that's, that's a good question. Um, yeah, like there was, there was a situation, there's some players out there, right? For 12 million dollars on a one-year mm-hmm. deal bellinger was another one yeah. that you wanted to like are you are you looking at a player who bellinger and gallo have insane upsides if the shifts end up working and they find their swings if gallo's hitting 230 he's a very productive hitter right if he's batting 160 he's not but um i think it's a situation where bellinger and and and, and um Gallo aren't coming off of injuries. They're younger. I think they have a higher ceiling than belt. So I, maybe you just don't get those other two because they were grabbed quicker. But uh, I, I feel like I would have probably been leaning towards somebody who's looking to, you know, Gallo's looking at a one-year deal so he can sign a five-year deal after this. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that situation. Same thing with Bellinger, right? They're looking, it's almost like picking up a walk here and uh, of a guy who's in his youthful what, what you consider is prime and he wants to say I'm valuable five years out. And then you hope that that pans out for you on a, on a one-year deal. Yeah. It's, it it's, is it's interesting. hindsight though, right? It, it is hindsight, but it is interesting to see the fact that the blue Jays under that second luxury tax by 1.5 million signing belt for 9 million and then watching Joey Gallo for 11. And you're like, was this over $500,000 under the luxury tax? Don't know. (laughs) Not that I think Joey Gallo would make this team any better. And I don't like Gallo, but you know, uh, uh, for a team that lacks some, some power in the, in the cleanup spot, 
You okay. sure wouldn't be bounds. scared of putting him out in the field, though. No, that's true. Right? You're not so, afraid of putting him in left or right field in that situation. So, yeah. Can, can someone rectify this for me in my brain? Because we're complaining about the, the Blue Jays' offense. We're sixth in the American League in runs scored. We're fourth in the American League in OPS. How is this the offense's fault? We're first in the league in left on base. And take By out that 20 spot. spot. There's some weighted part to that. Number okay, but two, we could also take off the, the 15 to 20 the, spot. On, sorry, Greg, go ahead. I didn't hear you there. Yeah, good. I think we're the team that also has the most players that we've had in that position to be left on base as well. I think we lead the majors or we're damn near close to it, if I recall from what we were talking about previously. But um, well, I the think pendulum swing back the other number. way. Like, is some yeah. of this just, just baseball and shit luck? <laughs> I said that's Blue Jays level luck right there, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, because yeah, that's that's the thing is when you look at it's not like we're not scoring runs. Do we have a high left on base percentage or frequency? Sure. But it's not like all we're doing is hitting solo shots like we're seventh in home runs in the American League. So th- this isn't just coming off of the middle of the like we don't we don't have three guys that are just mashing home runs and nobody else is doing anything like it's just a, so I don't understand where this is. Well, I know it's, it's a problem, but I don't I don't understand. I can't wrap my mind around how I think the, this is the offense's fault and we're top five in the American League. Because I think the point of what is our identity really plays to that, right? Are we a speed team? If we're a speed team, then why do we have Kirk and Belt in the lineup? Are we a home run team? Because no, we're, we're a balanced not, team. Yeah, but what is, is, is that? Did you make a balanced team? Because that was a, what, what is, what is a balanced team, right? Like, to me, it feels like a balanced team is you you more so don't know what you are as opposed to you you can step on one thing and push towards one end goal on having an identity. What do you push now? Like, do we need to run more? Do we need more home runs? Do we need, it, it yeah, feels we, like we need a little bit We need bit to of, be more aggressive on the base path. That's what I want to see. <laughs> like, like what, where, where's, where does, where do you say, get this figured out and we're, we're great because it just doesn't feel like any of those individual things none of the components none of the components are good enough like there isn't a single aspect of this team that is sort of elite if that makes any sense that could make up for other flaws in the team right i think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the team's identity if you had to pick what we are i nobody really knows because we do a little of this a little of that it's and we're not the race (laughs) It's hard to do a little of this and a little of that. And and the the left on base, like here's here's like a, a mindset of like the Japanese team is the most important bat on your team is your four hole hitter. And the Blue Jays, the four hole is a fluid concept of what is what is that right? In in Japan, it's the guy who knocks in runs. It's the guy that you trust to be up at the plate with two guys on who's going to deliver a hit and score runs. Here we we don't have a concept of what a four hole hitter is right now. Is it a is it Belt? Is it Chapman after a good April? It sounds like you're just grabbing Bichette. Sounds like you're making an argument for Bichette to be our four hole hitter. No, I'm making an argument for Rowdy Teles, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel, Marcus. They're not coming back though. (laughs) Quit checking your ex girlfriend's Facebook page. (laughs) It's just leading to misery. Like. 
I'm just saying, like we. He does are, look so just, happy, though, Adam. He does look so happy in that new house that her <laughs> sugar daddy just bought her. Um, no shade at beautiful young girls or sugar daddies, by the way. I'd love to have one. Um, but, a beautiful young girl or a sugar daddy? Either. <laughs> uh, don't know. Actually, that came out wrong. I hope my wife isn't listening to this podcast at work. Uh, I have a beautiful young girl. Thank you, sweetie. Uh, have a great day. <laughs> I work tonight. Um, okay, so Vladdy, how okay? It's a chicken or the egg question that I want to end on. Okay, Vladdy, offensively, currently having a down season. Uh, Pete Alonso leads MLB with 20 home runs. Uh, there's five players with at least 15 home runs. If Vladdy was hitting 15 home runs right now and hitting 300. Like we know he could be, we've seen him on that pace before how much of our problems are a trickle down of that. And again, to the chicken or the egg thing is Vladdy struggling because of the team around him or is the team around him struggling because he's not setting the tone. What do you guys think? Yes. Um, (laughs) What flavor do you want? Yes, please. (laughs) Fair. Okay. I don't have a good answer either. So that's as good as anything I got. Joel. I don't, I don't think his patience can last um, an entire season. He wants to hit and he wants to be a hitter. So that patience and reliance on the guy behind him only lasts so long if that guy behind him isn't producing. So I feel like his pressing is because of the team around him and the way that it's been built around. Okay. We're letting Vladdy off the hook today. I like it. I'm a Vladdy guy. I like it. Craig. Continue letting them off the hook to your point, because I think this is a team tone issue, not as much an individual person. Yes, this team would go off if Vlad got hot and started running. But to that point, I think there is just as much of a to the point of they just had a locker room meeting with players only. There is just as much of that going on that's infecting everybody and it's sucking the wind out. You don't see Matt Chapman get thrown at third base trying to stretch out, you know, first to thirds in an infield situation like he did today. There's just everybody's trying to do too much and they need to take that step back and try to figure this out. And I think then everybody starts getting the click right now. It's that tone right now. It's too urgent. Everybody's trying to press. One thing I will say about uh, this team that I, I really don't think is maybe being given enough attention is the fact that they do have so many new faces in this clubhouse And the fact that, yes, it does feel like they don't have an identity right now. And I think it's because they don't have an identity. And that does not mean that they will not find one shortly. I mean, fingers crossed, obviously, because that's what this team needs to succeed, is they need to have a united front as to where they're moving this whole core forward with, right? But the fact that we're... I, I. I don't want to say it's still early because it's not. And I very much like every other single blue Jays fan out there live through 2021 and how important every single game was. And when you lose out by one game, I don't think you ever come back from that. <laughs> You're just always aware of where you are in the season. But I, I think that there is still time for something to happen that brings this core together. And, and they kind of forged in fire, some sort of identity. They fricking better. And I think that right now, Vladdy is floundering for a lot of the reasons that most of this team is. And that is that they're not a united front moving everything forward. 
They don't really know what this team is. They're a very talented group. I, I don't know. I, I have a really time answering that question, Adam, because I just, I, I don't know. But I do think that Vladdy is at the point where he should be the leader of this group. He has been in the, like, we can't say he's young anymore. I know he's only 24 and he is young, but he's a major league player five years in. Like, mm -hmm. it's time. Take that step, Vladdy. And maybe he's just putting too much pressure on himself, but it's definitely one of the big reasons why this team is, is struggling is Vladdy's gone ice cold. Uh, Blue Jays dad or Jen, do you care to weigh in? I wish I could remember being 24. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I think Scott sort of summed it up right there. Right. I think, I think it's impossible to answer which comes first um, because I think everybody is a little bit of a mess right now with the exception of Bo. Right. And so, you know, if, if, if Vlad gets going, that might get others going. If somebody else gets going, that might get Vlad going. I actually think that this could be reversed under a number of different scenarios. Um, I really, to go back to what we said right off the top, I, I really do think trying to maybe switch up the lineup for, you know, and optimize it could be the answer to some of this. And, and they won't know until they try. Right. But what mm. they're doing now isn't working. So you might as well shake things up a little bit. Pretend you're the Rays. It's working for them. See if you can get a little bit of that, you know, mystery magic going. It is interesting that Vladdy's numbers declining really coincide with Matt Chapman, who is in that cleanup spots numbers also declining. Mm -hmm. right? no or protection. is Matt Chapman's numbers declining <laughs> coincide with? Okay, we get yeah. it. We get it's it. We get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds good. Blue Jays, Dad, you want the last word on this? Yeah, I do think uh, obviously Vladdy has the potential. He has the, within himself to carry this team if he gets hot. And I think that's what he's got to focus on is getting himself right, taking his walks. Um, you know, a lot of his outs he's been taking are, are pitches that are not his to hit. Here's my biggest concern, and it's not mental, and it's not his talent level. It's I'm just wondering about the nagging injury. That is my biggest concern. And I, if there is a bit of a nagging injury, I'd like to see him take an IL stint yeah. and uh, get it right. Um, and then come back full force. But I think right now when they do the whole urgency thing and like, Oh, just play through it. Like if that's, what's going on, his swings, he, here's what one of my kids said at the game today, you know what they said? People here don't cheer Vladdy anymore. It used to be when we would see them play in Kansas city in uh, Minnesota, in Milwaukee, he was getting applause everywhere. Anaheim, they loved Vladdy. He just did not impress this, even in the batting cage. You know, you know, it used to be, right, like a, he'd put on a show. I'm just thinking there's something maybe physically wrong, and I would like the team to get that right, get him back. But I would just say, uh, Vladdy, focus on his own at bats and then let the, let the rest of the chips fall where they may. And when he improves, everybody gets better. All right. Love it. I like it. What a great way to wrap this up. 
great way to wrap it up. Very insightful. Uh, once again, on a long toss, I find myself the dumbest person in the room, and that is the best strategy for success. Surround yourself with people smarter than you, and I've done it today. So thanks, everybody, for joining me. Uh, Joel, let's start with you. Uh, where can people find more of you? What are you up to? What's going on? Uh, in the middle of the silly writer strike, uh, mm. you can find me at Hey Kami. Uh, that's my TikTok page. You know it. Uh, also, Armchair Baseball on TikTok. Um, but yeah, no, uh, just waiting that out, and then um, hopefully, good things to come when that's over. But just love that a union will stand in my way when they never really helped me to get to where I got in the first place. So go union. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right, Jen. What about yourself? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at baseball underscore Jen. And uh, as always, that's Jen with two N's. Very good. Uh, Craig, got a lot of comments today that you and Scott look identical. So we're doing it, buddy. You're doing that. I love you. I told Scott, I said, if we're having Craig on, make sure you don't wear a hat, Scott, so we can tell you apart. So I've been able to keep track (laughs) of you this way. It's been very helpful. (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, I'll make sure I wear a name tag next time. Um, but to that point, uh, Blue Jays fans, I um, also host AJ, um, the Jaybird Watching Podcast. We're on every Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. Join the party as always. We have always marketed our show as the barroom chat for Blue Jays fans. We do want to make sure we chit-chat with everybody. That is the whole goal of the podcast. So join the conversation and your voice will be heard on our show. Very similar to all the fun I have when I'm here with you guys. And it was a pleasure as always. Awesome. Thanks again, Craig. All right. Blue Jays dad. Yeah. Just on the Twitter. Yeah. Just on the Twitter at Blue Jays dad. And thanks a lot for having me. It's a lot of fun. And I feel the same way. I just feel, you know, the more you hear from different people, you just feel like you get a better handle on things. So thanks everybody for uh, inviting me, having me on all the discussion and everyone that's listening and watching. Thanks a lot. For so coming we're on, so man. fortunate to have this community to talk through our crisis together. During seasons <laughs> like this. All right. Scott. Mm-hmm. With Calgary, buddy. Nice to see you again. I've yes, in a way, always. I feel like I haven't actually seen you in a week. So I know you, uh, you getting sick and being so busy with adult stuff in your life, it's yeah. really slowing us down. But, uh, no, uh, excited to be back at it tomorrow morning with MLB Mondays. And we are joined by Buffalo Bison analyst and head writer for the Herd Chronicle. Um, Brian Frank is joining us. And then we also, I actually just got a message from Davis Schneider. So he's going to be on, on Friday. And we are talking with Chris Black of Sportsnet on Wednesday, big week for the walk-off. Davis Schneider, kind of like Beetlejuice. If you say his name enough, he'll show up, right? He does show up eventually. Yes. (laughs) All right. And and a big shout out to uh, everybody in the grounds crew for hanging out with the live chat today and uh, getting in the comment section, whether you watch it tomorrow on YouTube or listen on the auto stream. Okay, uh, all the best to the Blue Jays in the following week, and hopefully next one we're uh, we're laughing as we just went seven and zero. Oh. So, okay, cheers everybody, <laughs> and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>